What are your questions for me? I'm ready. Uh, my first question is, how much of this book did you remember? None of it! <laughs> <laughs> no, seriously, like, when you said, like, let's do the first book again at the very end, I was kind of like, okay, like, I don't really see, like, what's that? What's that's gonna do, like, you know, we've already read it. I'm going to remember everything. And it's just, it's, I'm not going to take that many notes because we've already done this. But that is not the case. I didn't remember a single thing. It's been two years and I took so many notes. <laughs> so Awesome. Okay. I thought that might happen. Even I was like, oh yeah, I forgot about that. <laughs> yeah. Oh my God. It's just um, like perpetual foreshadowing, this book. It is isn't that amazing how much of it is is foreshadowing it's really it's a lot it's so much oh no and like then like you'll hear them talk about writing it and they're like yeah we didn't have anything planned out we were just flying by the seat of our pants and we're like but so many (laughs) things come back there's so much continuity how is this possible like did they did they just really know did they reference back to the first book as they were writing the rest of the books and the characters kind of progressed that way? Or, like, did they just kind of know what the characters were going to be like throughout the series, but, like, only subconsciously? Like, how the fuck? I don't know. Like, they say that none of it was planned and that they were just trying to hit deadlines and, like, scrambling for anything. So, like, any coherency is completely, like, you know... Mm-hmm. Y- it's happy accident but like it had to have been like in the the bible that they wrote or like it had to have been somewhere because so many fucking things come back yeah it had to they have to be fucking with us there's just so much there's so there much is, like they there must have been a little bit of planning like maybe they're just exaggerating when they said they didn't plan anything oh boy i don't know I, this is a two-part question How many things did you, like, pick up on that happened later? And how many of them do you remember me saying, remember this, in the first time we recorded? (laughs) (laughs) The only thing I remember you saying for me to remember was something about broccoli. Yes, that's very important. And And I remember because I brought that up immediately when it became important. Yes. (laughs) Oh, yeah. And the other thing was, in the last book recording we did, you mentioned Marco and Letterman and that he mentioned it in the first book. And Mm -hmm. so... But other than that, yeah, like, I don't think I remember. One thing that really, like, hit me this time that I don't think that I quite internalized the first time we read through this was just how much of a done deal it was that Tobias was going to become a hawk. Because, like, yeah, it's foreshadowed, but, like, basically the minute he gets the hawk morph, he's like, I'm never leaving this body. Yeah, and Jake immediately is like, remember, two hours! Mm-hmm. Like, several times since then. Oh, man. Yeah. Yeah, it was so, so thick. It was. And, like, Tobias being, like, every time I return to my human body, it's like a prison. Yeah. Oh, my God. There's so much. Yeah. It was so weird experiencing Tobias as a human. Like. Yeah. I didn't really think about it on our first read through. I'm just like, okay, it's Tobias. I know he turns into a hawk permanently, but, like, you know, whatever. He's a kid. But, like, this time, it was like, I don't know who you are. Who is this child? <laughs> I don't recognize you anymore. Oh, my God. And, like, even, I feel like even in his personality, he changed a lot. Yeah. Since the first book. The first book, he was so gung-ho to, like, do the mission. And, like, 
he was the first one to really embrace the idea of being an animorph. Right. And that, like, doesn't really show throughout the rest of the series. It's mostly just like, I'm a hawk! I do not know how to human hawk! <laughs> but it's never, I'm like... Bird. But he, like, never, throughout the rest of the series, I feel like he's not necessarily, like, yeah, we gotta fight, like, I truly believe in this, blah, 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 blah. Like, he never, like, maybe he believes that, but he doesn't make a big production about saying it to us. Yeah, it was, like, once it became a foregone conclusion that they were fighting, he no longer felt the need to, like, keep hammering it home. Yeah, and I kind of wonder in the first book, maybe they were originally going to have Tobias be like, the the driving force of the team that, like, oh, we have to do all these missions. But then mm-hmm. once he was a hawk, they were like, oh, no, wait, actually, let's exper- let's explore this because it's more interesting. Yeah, yeah that, I mean, that could be. I just feel like there's a little bit of a discrepancy between uh, first book Tobias and the rest of series Tobias, which is not a bad mm-hmm. thing. Like, it's not a bad thing, and, like, so much of it could be chalked up to the fact that he did get caught in the mm-hmm. hawk body, and that became his primary concern. And... Yeah. And maybe he, like, that was, like, he started off as a human being, like, oh, we have to do this, like, and he found this kind of freedom in being able to morph and get out of a shitty human situation. But then mm-hmm. once he was stuck, he was like, oh, let me dial it back a bit. Like, there are disadvantages. (laughs) And then, like, his personality kind of changed from that point on. Yeah. Yep. (sighs) I don't know. I mean, who really does? But at least he got to, like, kind of choose the hawk situation more so than his family situation. Yeah. Yeah. Yep. Well, and the first time we read the book, and at the very end when we find out he's been trapped as a hawk, it, like, I feel like I felt more like Jake. I was despairing over this. Mm-hmm. But knowing how he's come to, you know, accept and even enjoy being a hawk through the, the rest of the series, this time reading through, I read it more from Tobias's point of view of, like, oh, this is actually kind of a good thing. So that was really different. Yeah, that that is a really different take on it because from Jake's perspective, this is one of the worst things that could. Yeah, ha- like I I remember us talking about how this was kind of like, it was like a soft casualty. Like Jake did mm-hmm. lose somebody, but like that was of course before we got into the whole he gets his morphing powers back. Right. And he enjoy- like that was before that whole journey. So yeah, yeah, that's true. Because by the time we finished the series, we were so used to him being able to morph. Um, Yeah, that it was, like... That was, like, I think the thing that, like, messed me up the most is, like, when he got trapped this... Like, just reading it through this time and just, like, immediately coming off the last books, I was like, oh, shit, now he's not going to be able to morph for a bunch of books. That's (laughs) a huge disadvantage. Yeah. (laughs) Sweet, sweet baby boy. (laughs) Yeah, fuck. I also forgot what it was like to not have Axe on the team. Right? Isn't that so fucked up? Yeah! It's like, (laughs) there's only five of you. That's not very many. Where's the other one? (laughs) Yeah. Oh, my God. There was so many times. I, like, this is probably, like, a mental illness now. But, like, there's so many times where, like, 
I've become really accustomed to this team structure, and especially because, like, we spend so much of our day-to-day lives now in this Animorphs verse that, like, I almost felt like when I'm reading through the Yerk pool with Jake, I kept, like, turning to, like, look, and Axe was doing this, and then it never came, and I, like, when I was reading, I had these stop moments where I was like, we got, like, what's Axe doing? What's that? And then I'd be like, oh, just keep reading. He's not here yet. <laughs> yes. And it was, like, me personally, I was, like, I was checking in with the team, like, what the fuck's happening? I need to be aware of all my team members. Yeah, I know. (laughs) No. I miss him. I miss him, too. (laughs) That's the shittiest part of rereading this first book was no axe. That's gonna be the shittiest part of reading the graphic novels. Because, like, from now until, like, 2022, there's, or 2023, actually, there's gonna be no axe. Not only that, well, 2024, probably. Yeah. Because it's not coming out till October 6th. So, yeah, like, 2024. But then also the movie. And, like, mm. God forbid. This is why everybody's like, we got to get acts in the movie. And it's like, you do, but, like, keep the story. Like, okay, this is why I know we've already talked about this. I'm a big <laughs> proponent of having the, like, split timelines of the dome ship crashing and Axe being trapped. Meanwhile, the kids are due. So Axe is in the movie. Yeah. <laughs> But yeah, this just like, this was, it was so weird. Like, I don't know, I've never experienced that before where like I so much expected somebody to be there that I kept like, I literally like, it felt like I was ready to turn my head and like look for Axe, but I'm like reading a book. It's the weirdest feeling. Oh no. (laughs) I miss him. I miss him too. Yeah, this is gonna, like, I'm so glad so many Animorphs things are launching, but like, you're right. This is gonna be a tough few years before we get Axe involved. (laughs) (laughs) oh i'll just have to draw so much fan art of him yeah that's what we're gonna have to do keep the community alive by drawing the axe fan art the the fucking everybody who is new to the animorphs fandom and like maybe who doesn't read the books but is going to experience like the graphic novels in the movie they're not even gonna know he exists for like four or five years at least. And I'm sad about that because he's the best character. It's like, you What's guys don't even so know. weird. Like, they don't even know. But, like, even in the books when they were being published, it was four months without Axe. Like, there was an early, there's an early group of adopters that read from one to the end of the series mm-hmm. that spent four months without Axe. <sighs> oh, well. We did, we did a really mind-fucky thing. <laughs> <laughs> we freaked our own beans. We, we did freak our own beans. Oh, my God. Uh, also, just speaking of, of things that we didn't remember, I forgot how much Rachel swears right from the get-go. She does! And I'm like, yes, my person. <laughs> <laughs> yeah, I totally forgot how much swearing. Because I think I remarked, like, kind of in the the teens, I feel like they started to swear. Like, the, you know... Mm-hmm. The middle books, but like, yeah, yeah, and like, I I think that's true of everybody else. Like Marco f- actually said "golly gee" in this book, and Rachel like <laughs> there's a crash landing, and Rachel's like "fucking goddamn it." <laughs> She's a force of nature. Jake was almost like, I've never heard those words before. What? How dare she? <laughs> Jake's like, oh, you said the f word, Rachel. You- Rachel, you said the fuck word. I'm going to tell you your doing? mom, Rachel. That's not Rachel. okay. We can't say that I'm, until we're 16. I'm <laughs> telling Naomi that you said fuck. 
Rachel, you saw an R-rated movie? You're not allowed to do that. (laughs) (laughs) I love her so much. She's great. She's so good. (laughs) I love her. There's tears in my eyes of the force of my love for swearing Rachel. Potty mouth Rachel. I just, I love it. And I love, like, I don't know that I ever picked up before that she was the only one, like, dropping F-bombs this early in the series. (laughs) Yeah, I forgot about that, too. So good. It's also weird, um, the amount of, like, errors in this book. Like, the amount of, like, oopsies. (laughs) Like, that doesn't hold up for the rest of the series. Oh, it doesn't. Like, Tobias coming by with his injured finger after acquiring Yeah. Or, like, Um, Elfangor can, like, hear their thoughts and they can hear each other's thoughts when they're in human morph and shit like that. Yes. Yeah. Oh, that's okay. Oh, it's fine. It, like, didn't really detract. It was just kind of fun to be like, hey, this changes. (laughs) Yeah. That's not a thing anymore. I love it so much. And I love, like, how committed... Like, this really was Applegate committed to talking about animal facts. Like, mm-hmm. she drops in so many, like, just little, like, fact things in there. Where, like, especially about the gorilla. Like, you know, it's true they are gentle, but they have the power to rip a man in half kind of a thing. Mm-hmm. And I'm like, I just, I can see that your agenda is really overt in this moment before. Like, this was pre-deciding that this was going to mainly be a war story instead of an animal, like... Yeah. story. Yeah. I enjoyed this the most I've ever enjoyed it, reading it this time. Really? <laughs> yeah. Aww. That being said, it took me goddamn 10 hours to get through taking notes. Oh, no. Do we have any more opening thoughts? I don't think so. Do you? Mm-mm. Well, then let me start recapping, because why the fuck not? <laughs> so, we open with meeting Jake. And there's already a screw up in my notes because apparently I transposed a sentence before that. Oops. It's fine. It just very much threw me off when I started to read it. But the capitalization <laughs> makes, I get it now. I just control seed something fucked up. Anyways, this opens. We meet Jake. He's a totally normal kid who is hanging out at the mall with his best friend Marco playing video games until they ran out of quarters. The two of them decide to head home, where they run into Tobias, a nerdy kid with blonde hair that Jake rescued from a swirly, and so Tobias thinks that they're friends now. The three of them are walking out of the video game cafe, and the whole reason they lost, of course, is because Jake was so distracted because he didn't make the basketball team that he couldn't play this game right, so Marco's obviously berating him about losing all their quarters. And they run into Jake's cousin Rachel and her best friend Cassie. The five of them decide to head home together through an abandoned construction site that Jake's parents told him he was never allowed to go through or risk being grounded until he's 20. When they're passing through, Jake is jumping at every noise, convinced there's an axe murderer behind him in every corner. (laughs) Until Tobias is like, hey, what's that? Above us. Jake looks up and he sees something that he doesn't quite believe. He refuses to say it out loud because Rachel and Marco would definitely mock him forever. But Tobias blurts out, that looks like a flying saucer. (laughs) Not flying saucers. (laughs) Oh, I love the use of flying saucer. Like, they use it so much. They really do. So much. They don't even use, like, UFOs, which is the proper identification term. Right, no. They're flying saucers. (laughs) None of these things look like a saucer. No, they don't. (laughs) Just the description of all the kids. Not that I read any of them and was like, that's different than what I was expecting. But, like, it was just really interesting. Like, 
Jake and Marco don't really get like a super intense description. Marco does later kind of, but like mm-hmm. he describes Tobias and Rachel and Cassie and how they look and like what they're like and blah, blah, blah. Yeah. And of course, my favorite line where Rachel's like, oh, and what are you going to do? You big, strong man. <laughs> <laughs> I do I do like how Jake immediately, you know, said that sexist line and then went, Oh shit, I should not have said that. <laughs> like he has some some level of self awareness. He does. He fucked up, but he knows he fucked up. Some level of self awareness for sure. He's not like Sokka from Avatar the Last Airbender who needed several episodes of being told he's being a sexist dick. Before no, he figured he knew, it out. <laughs> he knew right from the get-go he was being a sexist. Right? <laughs> oh, man. Um, I have, like, a lot of fucking notes on just the first fucking chapter. <laughs> Go for it. Tell me all of them. Um, so my first note was kind of a meta one, and it's about the method of narration that they chose. Because, like, mm-hmm. in, like, the fourth sentence, Jake's like, I'm writing all this down so that we can, like, document this or whatever. And I feel like they never really explained the narration before. Like, they never explained if this was going into, like, a log or a journal or anything like that. It seems to just be they just wanted to use first person and I don't know. Yeah, I think the idea was that it was supposed to be kind of like (laughs) Captain's Log, (laughs) Stardate, whatever, whatever, whatever. Yeah. But, yeah, it doesn't really... I mean, it's just not stressed. Like, the format's obviously taken up. We have it from beginning to end, but, mm-hmm. like, it's just not stressed. Yeah. I... And some of the fucking ghostwriters were just so bad at it. <laughs> I just... Fucking rabies book. Oh, no. I Sorry, just... but... <laughs> um, I just, you know, when... Reading this a second... Like, I didn't really internalize it the first time, but reading this a mm-hmm. second time makes me think of all the way to the end of the series where I thought maybe there was going to be, like a physical, tangible thing of all their adventures that they, like, showed to somebody, and that's how they, you know. Like, it was gonna, like, pull back, and you'd realize, like, there was a reader that was yeah. supposed to be you the whole time. Yeah. And they get there. Okay. Yeah, something like that. I don't know. It was just interesting. There's lots of foreshadowing in the first chapter. Um, I like how they say... Maybe the Andalites will return and rescue us. <laughs> it's like, oh, that didn't happen. Yep. Um, I mean, in a way it did. Axe was the one that rescued all of Earth. That's true. They thought it was going to be the Andalites, but it was just one Andalite. The best one. It was. It was the best Andalite. The good boy. The good, good boy. Um, I liked the moment where he's talking about how Marco's really good at video games because he's really good at analyzing them so that was mm-hmm. nice that was kind of hearkening to marco's strategy skills um mm-hmm. i like that he classified a store that sells comic books as cool because i feel like that was definitely not cool in the 90s <laughs> <laughs> yeah jake is supposed yeah, to be that's... this like jock but he's <laughs> he's just a nerd like the rest of us yeah, that's okay. Now that you said that, it's super funny that everybody always says that Jake is the jock type, but the very first book, he's failed out of getting on to the basketball that's team, true. and he thinks comic book stores are cool. Like, Yeah. I don't know. Maybe it's, like, emphasized by the fact that he has this, like, sort of, like, upper class 
like middle upper class, like kind of perfect, like standard white picket fence, golden retriever family. Mm-hmm. So like, I don't know, maybe that kind of feeds into this like archetype I have in my mind. Oh yeah, for sure. And I Jake's, think it would. Jake's kind of like, and he's described like this throughout the series. He's kind of just like a cookie cutter, standard suburban white boy. So, like, right. he doesn't really have, like, a strong, you know, jock personality or a strong nerd personality. He's, like, the epitome of a normal kid in this right. regard. Um, I forgot what I was heading towards. I forgot the goal I was walking. <laughs> um, that he was a jock. Yeah. Just because of who he was. Yeah. So, I think it's easy to kind of project him into, like, one thing or another. Just based mm-hmm. on the limited information we're given at the beginning of the book. Yeah. He's a wannabe jock. Yeah. He does mock, not mock, he does mention that he and Rachel are more fit than any of the other animals. Oh, yeah, that's true. <laughs> <laughs> oh, <no. laughs> I mean, Cassie's probably the most fit because she, like, you know, works with animals and lifts buckets of shit and all this stuff, but she's too Literal. short to run fast. Yeah, that's right. Just like Marco. <laughs> so maybe he really only pegs Tobias as totally out of shape. <laughs> oh, I just picture Tobias as being like malnourished. Like, yeah, he's probably like hasn't eaten well his whole life. He's grown up on like McDonald's. He's probably like super thin and like you know like where you can see like kind of the outline of the skeleton because mm-hmm. the joints get more swollen than the yeah probably scrawny. <sighs> He can't be focusing all of his energy on running a fucking five-minute mile when he doesn't even know what his next meal is coming from. Oh, no! God damn it, Jake. You and your middle-class upbringing. Yeah. So insensitive. Check your privilege, Jake. (laughs) Sorry. Well, we're one chapter in, and this has really turned on its head. (laughs) Oh, Oh, Jesus. Uh, Do you want to go to chapter two? Because, like, I have a, a lot of notes from chapter two, just because, like, of what it was. Yeah, yeah, let's go. Okay. So Marco laughs at Tobias, and then Marco looks up and sees the exact same thing that they've all just just seen, the flying saucer. And Rachel points out, like, hey, it's coming our way. And they're like, no, it's not. And they're like, oh, shit, it fucking is. Um, and then the ship starts to take form as it gets closer. And they're like, ah, it looks like a giant egg thing with a scorpion tail and two stubby wings. And the overall size of the ship is a few minivans that jake's mom owns set end to end or a school bus we get both so take your pick a few minivans or a school bus it was slowing down as it was approaching them and there was some debate about what to do marco's like we we gotta go grab a video camera for sure like we could be on letterman if we show this to the world (laughs) um and even as the others agreed like oh we should probably just at least tell an authority they never move the ship stops directly over them, and there's, like, a cool static electricity thing where all of their hair is floating up and statically electrified, except, as Jake points out, Cassie looks totally normal. <laughs> <laughs> Jake takes a quick look at all of his friends, and then the ship descends and lands in front of them before powering down. That's when they all notice the burn marks on the side of the ship. Seemingly undaunted by the task of first contact, they start debating what to do now and whether or not the tail portion of the ship is a weapon and if the alien could speak English... And Tobias just takes all of first contact into his own hands, and he approaches the ship with his hands held open and says, we won't hurt you. And the alien responds, I know. And Jake is like, 
holy shit, I just heard this in my head, but there's no sound. And so he looks at all of his friends again, and they're all like, I don't know either. And, like, Rachel's, like, turning her head, like, where did that come from? <laughs> uh, um, and then uh, Tobias says, can you come out? And the alien says, yes, do not be frightened. And Tobias is like, we won't. And Jake goes, speak for yourself. <laughs> all of us like, weird so, shit, Tobias. Yeah, come on, Tobias. We're all going to be fucking terrified. <laughs> Speak for yourself, man. So the side of the ship splits open, and an alien comes staggering out. It looks like a giant blue deer centaur, but instead of a mouth, it has three vertical slits. Its eyes were a oh, startling shit. green. Oh, shit, what? I forgot to draw the vertical slits on that drawing of Axe I did. Oh, that's okay. <laughs> no, I'll forgive no. you this one time. Okay. <laughs> Its eyes were startling green, and there seemed to be horns on its head, but they could swivel around, and they realized, oh, there's an extra set of eyes on them. All of that was fine, but when they got to the tail, that's when the concern started, because they had a long scorpion tail with a blade on the end, and when Jake saw that, he realized this guy could really do some damage. This particular alien, though, stumbled and fell before confirming that he was dying. Cassie immediately went into helping mode and starts wondering about bandages and what they can do. And Jake starts going, you can't die. You're the first alien to come to Earth. And the alien's like, no, there are many others, but they are different from myself. They have come to destroy humans. And this is first contact. Yay! That was chapter two. I like how Tobias was described as talking like he would to a baby. And I'm like, that's your dad. (laughs) It was just funny to me. I, when I read that, like, I don't know why, but I immediately went to, like, cutesy, like, baby talk, and I was like, that's not what they mean. It's it's a cute little dying alien. Come here, alien. Come on. Come here, Come out of the spaceship. Come here. Dear God. That upsets me. I'm not going to hurt you. (laughs) That's why I couldn't read it like that. I, like, read it, like, two or three times, and I just crossed it out in my mind. I'm like, no. (laughs) That's too fucking weird. I don't Like, like it. I don't like you talking to Elfangor like he's a baby, and I won't stand for it. <laughs> uh, don't talk to your father in that tone. Don't speak to him in this way. <laughs> so weird. Uh... <laughs> yeah. Chapter three, also super important. Let's get into it. Cut. So the dying alien tried to explain the Yerks to them and how they were taking over. There's already hundreds on Earth, but... They weren't really getting it. So instead, he's like, all right, let me put this picture directly into your brain. I'll paint you a picture. Let me paint you a word picture, but instead of words, it's a real picture. Psychic powers. Psychic powers. He has a lot of psychic powers. He does. And I was like, the more I was reading this, the more I'm like, oh, man, I wish like this had come back in a, in a way with Axe. Like, because Axe always just talks to them the same way they talk to each other. Yeah. And it would have been really badass if, like, every once in a while, Axe would have been like, I can't explain this, and just, like, beams, like, a thought or a feeling to them to try and explain, like, So that's something I didn't remember on. if that was just in the first book a thing that Elfanger could do, or if this was all Andalites can do this. I think it's mostly in the first book, but um, it's always said that, like, for the first however many books, when they see Visor 3... The first thing that happens is this, like, projection of, like, dread and evil upon mm-hmm. them all. So, like, it's almost like Axe just doesn't do it because Vizard 3 is doing it in a way. And Alfangor clearly goes over the top with this stuff. Yeah. Is, so, like, I don't know. Is it an age thing? Is Axe just kind of too young to, to do it correctly yet? 
I mean, I don't know. It almost seems like it could be either an age thing or like a risk factor thing because it seems like Elfangor's... Because he could have pushed all the information he pushed to Tobias to the rest of the team, Mm -hmm. but like he didn't. He only did it to Tobias. And then Tobias is like, I'm still sorting out this information. Like my brain's still scrambled. So like I got the impression that maybe it was because it was a kind of dangerous thing. And obviously Visor 3 is going to do it because he doesn't give a shit how many brains he scrambles. That's not his... (laughs) problem to worry about freak all uh, the beans freak all the beans of everybody around you freak everybody's bean yeah i i don't know okay i just i don't know why like it never came up with axe even one time i just thought of something though and i'm really excited about it okay so when the dark crystal age of resistance came out on netflix all of these kind of like tie-in books started coming out and mm-hmm. it, like, got really in-depth about, like, the creatures that live in Thra and, like, kind of, like, all their, you know, abilities and stuff. What if something yeah. about the Animorphs comes out, too? Like, a visual companion to the movie comes out. Oh, that would be so awesome. Oh. Oh, I want to read the shit out of that. Me, too. Tax and Taxonomy, oh the book. Yes. <laughs> That's what we've all wanted. Tax and Taxonomy. Fuck yeah. That's awesome. I would read the shit out of that. Me too. I'm ready. Oh, and an art book? Like a concept art book? I was book? just going to say, like the Star Wars book of all the alien yeah. creatures. Do you remember how beautiful that book was? I'm going to... Oh. Uh, I'm ready. God. They could go into like the aliens we know, but like just like the Star Wars book, they could just add aliens we don't know and just do these beautiful concept art drawings of them. Oh my god, that would be amazing. Oh, and and the other thing that the Dark Crystal did, I think they did like a a contest where you design a creature. Mm-hmm. Oh, what if they did that for Animorphs? Like you design an alien race or something. I mean, then I mean, contests I would... are kind of like you know you're making art for free, and there's like problems that come with that, but. You know, it's fine. Yeah. What I imagined was several of us getting together and all sitting in a room with drawings and doing them and showing them to each other. Because this is, in my mind, happening in a post-quarantine world. (laughs) And we're all just, like, hanging out, like, look at my drawing. Is this good? Okay, we'll submit that one. Like, (laughs) is this good? Oh, you could do this to make it cooler. And, like, we can just get a group of people together to all draw things together. That would be awesome. Anyway. That's my dream. I like it. (laughs) I like it, too. I will join. Good. Join my club. (laughs) Animorphs Drawing (laughs) Club. Because we're all 10 years old. That's right. Okay, so, chapter three. (laughs) (laughs) The dying alien tried to explain Yerks to them and how they were taking over and how there's already hundreds on Earth, blah, blah, blah. We talked about this already. Um, And then he... It wasn't getting through to them, so he instead directly pushed the thought into their heads that had the image of a yerk. And they're asking, what can we do? We're, we're just kids. Like, what are you doing to us? Why? And they're like, we should go to the police or the president or something. And that's when the alien's like, you can't do any of that, but I'll give you the power to morph. And they're like, the power to what now? And he was like, the power to turn into any animal you can touch. You observe the DNA of this creature, and if you have the willpower and concentration, you can turn into that creature. There are drawbacks and limitations, but there's no time to go over all of them now. So he sends Jake into the ship to get the cube. And, like, Jake goes because they're, he's like, somebody go get the cube. And they're all like, go on, Jake, you're not afraid. And Jake's like, I was going to pee my pants. <laughs> there, oh, my God, but. there's a line in here. 
like, first of all, it's like, this is Jake's kind of first act as a leader. And two, Mm -hmm. Cassie smiles at him and says, like, go on, Jake, you're not scared. And he says, she was wrong. I was plenty scared. But the way she smiled at me, I wasn't about to weasel out. And I'm like, is this Cassie's first kind of manipulation subconsciously? Yes. Ah! Yes, it was. Ah! (laughs) It's gotta be. There's no way she didn't know that he was scared. Yeah, she's way too intuitive for that. Oh, my God. Yeah. Oh, shit. Anyway. Yep. (laughs) Uh, So Jake steps into the ship, and once he's in there, he notices that the interior is all cream and beige, and that everything is curved and rounded, and he can see the console where the alien would stand to pilot the ship, and a small holographic picture of four somber aliens standing together. Little baby axe. Little baby axe and their mom and dad. But uh, another Um, piece of foreshadowing, though. Another piece of foreshadowing, for sure. So Jake spots the cube, because it's a small blue box, and that stands out well against the beige and the cream. And it's surprisingly heavy when he grabs it. He walks back outside to the dying alien, and that's when they spot the two red pinpricks of light shooting across the sky, and the alien says, yerks, with his voice full of hatred. So the dying alien reinforces that there's not much time. You have to choose now. And Rachel volunteers that she's in. Of course. (laughs) Marco goes off about how insane this all is, and Cassie turns to Jake and says, it's on you to decide. And Jake's like, I don't know why this fell on me, but... (laughs) Tobias then looked at me and said, we have to. So Jake's like, all right, we have to. He started thinking about the alien and his family, and he's like, all right, I guess this is our problem now. And so all five of them touch the sides of the cube, with the sixth hand being the alien seven-fingered hand that was so different from their own. And a tingle ran through Jake that was almost pleasurable. When it was done, the alien said, it's time to go. Run. They hesitated, and Rachel says, we can stay and see if there's anything we can do to help. And the alien smiled at them with his eyes and says, run. Jake agreed. He goes, okay, guys, let's go. And everybody but Tobias takes off. Tobias stays behind for a moment longer until the alien touched his hand to Tobias's head. And like he was shocked, Tobias flinched and then turned and ran. The kids bolted as the bug fighters descended on them, and it was quickly apparent why they were called that. They looked like giant legless cockroaches. Jake dove and hid. He realized his leg was visible in one of the spotlights, and so he snatched it back in and hid under this weird construction bullshit. (laughs) Once the bug fighters were down, another giant ship descended that was shaped like a battle axe. It was the blade ship. Aliens started to descend from the ship, tall, bladed creatures with horns that swept forward on snake-like necks and dinosaur heads, and they hear the words Horpiger Controller in thought speak. The alien was still trying to give them as much information as possible. He told them his species, this species was peaceful, despite their looks. Then the giant centipede creatures with red globule eyes and pincers came down the ramp. Taxing controllers, the alien told them. They were watching this unfold when a Horkbizur controller turned towards them and bounded over. Jake saw Marco's face twist into a look of pure terror. Dang, these chapters are intense. I know. <laughs> oh, so. The alien spoke to them, telling them to stay still. The Horkbizur can't see well in the dark, but their hearing is good. So all of the kids held tight and hid, even though they were shaking and chattering, and they thought there's no way that this Horkbizur can't hear our hearts pounding out of our chest right now. The Horkbizur looked around with a gun thing it was holding and got within six feet of them before kind of wandering away. Jake noticed that it looked like all of the aliens were standing at attention. 
It seemed like the very air changed as an Andalite descended from the blade ship. This one looked much the same as their fallen alien, but the feeling was very different. They could feel that right behind this facade was something terribly evil. Jake wanted to cry and scream and wet his pants. He was terrified in a way that he had never been terrified before. Their alien continued to narrate that this was Visor 1, the only Yerk that had managed to get an Andalite host body and harness the power of morphing. Visor 1 started gloating, and the kids all heard... Or, yeah, Visor 3. <laughs> ha ha. <laughs> and I, I wrote it a couple times here. I kept having to switch between 1 and 3, because oh, no. in my head he's been Visor 1 for a while yeah. now. I'm sure you can hear all my clacking of keys as I correct the 15 <laughs> times I wrote Visor 1. This is crazy. Oh, no. Okay. So Visor 3 started gloating, and the kids all heard his voice in their heads, booming about how Elfangor had fought well, but this was the end of the line. The kids started panicking, saying, could he hear our thoughts? Like, And Rachel was the one that was like, if he can, we're fucked. Because <laughs> swearing Rachel is great. Yes. And in book one, she's alive and well, guys. <laughs> she's alive and she's um, pissed. She's alive and she's ready to throw the fuck down. <laughs> Elfangor assured them that he could not hear their thoughts unless they broadcast directly to him. There's no way. And the reason that they could hear Visor 3's thoughts was because he was broadcasting to everyone in this moment of great victory for him. He wanted to gloat and he wanted to say that he was the best, basically. He's Visor 3. Come on, guys. You all know what this guy's like. Even though we're pretending this is the first time we're reading this, we all know. (laughs) And this is kind of the first oops, because I feel like Elfanger shouldn't be able to hear the kids' thoughts. Like, Yeah, he shouldn't have. He, they haven't morphed. There's yeah, no... Yeah, he's too, he's too magical. He's too magical. I don't know. <sighs> Elemis trickery. Yeah. Maybe. Yeah. <laughs> that's, that's my ex. I'll just write it off. Elemis trickery. <laughs> Done. Deus ex machina. <laughs> uh, hand wavy bullshit. Yeah. So, anyways, while Visor 3 is terrifying the shit out of the kids and gloating about his great victory, Elfangor sends a wave of courage to the kids. Visor 3 continues on, and we find out that this is Elfangor Serenial Shem Tool, and he has destroyed many bug fighters. The best part of this was Visor 3 was like, oh, so you've destroyed, like, what, seven, eight bug fighters? And Jake just has this line where he's like, I got the feeling it was many more than seven or eight bug fighters. He's just trying to downplay how many of his dudes he lost. Yeah, he's just like, sure, you're so cool, dude. But in reality, like, Elfangor has fucked your shit up pretty bad. Don't worry, everyone. The virus is under control. It'll go away by itself. That's right. We've done enough. (laughs) You have. There is no war in Bossing City. This is like where you need the Morgan Freeman voiceover. Like, you've you've barely killed any bug fighters. He had killed many bug fighters. <laughs> yes. <laughs> like, yes. Oh God. It. There is no. Can Morgan Freeman this. play the Elemist in the movie? <laughs> I hope so. At least voice him. Yeah. That would be great. Okay, we did it. Cast another one. That's right. Another one bites the dust. Mark that off. <laughs> Oh, man. It's too bad that, um, who is the actor that played Bilbo in the original Lord oh, of the Rings? Oh, Ian Holm? That, yeah, yeah, it's too bad that Ian Holm died. He would make a great Elemist Aww. character. Except then I'd like him. Oh. 
I mean, not that I <laughs> super dislike the Elemist or anything, but like I'd immediately like love him because I love Ian. Holson. I don't love the Elemist, honestly. Whatever. I don't love him either. That's the problem. Is like I always want to be like kind of on the outs with the Elemist, like emotionally. And if it was Ian Holm, I'd immediately be like, oh, I love you. Yeah. <laughs> like, yeah. So that would be. Other than the death, that's the next biggest problem. Yeah. <laughs> Sorry to anybody who just found out that the original Bilbo died. Sorry. Condolences to you. Anyways, moving right along. <laughs> so, uh, Visitor 3 is gloating over the, the, the Andalite loss, and he starts to threaten that when he takes over, that he would personally oversee the placement of Yerks in the Andalite's heads. And that's when Elfangor is like, fuck you. <laughs> he had climbed to his feet throughout this gloating to face his enemy squarely. And now he whipped his tail and sliced open one of the Vizzer's arm. While the Vizzer screamed in pain, Elfangor's ship fired and destroyed one of the bug fighters. Vizzer three orders the Andalite ship destroyed and the kids watched as it was vaporized into nothing in front of them. In the light of the ship blowing up, Jake thought he saw some human prisoners. Visitor 3 began to, to morph into some hideous tree trunk legged tentacle monstrosity, and Cassie was openly sobbing at this point. When he looks over, he sees that Rachel had pulled Cassie in close to her and was comforting her, and that she had reached out to grab Tobias's hand. And he thought, you never really know how you're going to react until you're in the situation. And it turns out that Rachel had the braveness to spare. Oh, foreshadowing. <laughs> They turned back and watched as Elfangor was now being held down by dozens of Horkbizur with blades at his throat and every other part of his body. <laughs> and then Visor 3 plucks him from their grasp and lifts his body high above his head with his mouth open wide. Jake does not know what comes over him in that moment. He grabs a loose pipe and stands up, ready to go fight. And Marco grabs him and pulls him back by his shirt. Tobias also helped hold him down. And Elfangor says, No. Jake was struggling, and Rachel put her hand over his mouth to stop him from screaming or cursing or whatever it was that he was doing, but it was Cassie that finally got through to him. She put her hand on his cheek and said, No, Jake, you can't die for him. Can't you see he's dying for us? This is what Jake gets... <laughs> this is what makes Jake get himself under control. And they look back to see Visor 3 tossing Elfangor into his mouth and Elfangor being torn to pieces. They hear Horkbizur chuffs and human laughter, and the Taxon have all crowded around Visor 3, stretching up to catch the chunks of Andalite meat that tear out of the creature's wood chipper mouth. Mm. When the chaos dies down and Elfangor is gone, Visor 3 demorphs back to his host body and says, nothing like an Antarian bog monster to take a bite out of your enemy. And there's terrible laughter. Because the joke was bad. It was a very bad joke. <laughs> but they'll he'll kill them if they don't laugh. He'll kill them if they don't laugh. So they, ha, 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 ha. Good one, boss. Um, I'm actually glad that Axe wasn't there to witness that. Like, yes. can you imagine? Oh, my God. I can't. Oh, no. <laughs> yeah, I can't imagine Axe having to witness that. Yeah. If they do um, put him in the movie like like we talked about um where he like crash lands with elfangor um i feel like it would be the other kids that were holding him back from trying to go attack visitor three yeah i mean i don't think x should be there with the kids i think we should just be watching his timeline in the oh same, okay like cut back and forth i think i had i had seen somebody say that like x should land with elfangor in the blade or in the um in his ship and then meet the kids that I feel way. I like think I've seen that too. Yeah. 
So sorry, I, I yeah. assumed that everyone was on board with what I was talking about there. Um, <laughs> I'm on board with what you're talking about. I just have a different vision. <laughs> also, also, do you think that Jake not being able to save Elfangor and having to accept that he was dying for them, do you think that helped prepare him for the Rachel moment? Uh, man. I'm just kind of feeling some echoes there. I mean, it's not really the same situation, but... Right, but, like, I don't... If anything, I feel like what it would do is just, like, prepare him to like that's why he couldn't look tobias in the eye because this happened to him and he knew that it was happening to tobias in that moment but tenfold like that being said like obviously all the kids were felt something for alfangor as well Mm -hmm. but like it's so much worse just because like they've known alfangor for all of five minutes now and like rachel they fought with for years and were friends with forever No. Yeah. I don't know. Ugh, what a bad way to die though. Getting eaten. Yeah. That that was like a horrible detail, but also like all the tax and reaching up to catch the chunks Ugh. of meat. Yeah. This is on Animorphs is like, we're not fucking around. <laughs> this is like <laughs> chapter four or five. <laughs> this is what you signed up for, kids. Yep. Welcome, Animorphs. Oh, man. Brutal. Yeah. Anyways, uh, so Marco turns and starts puking, and the, and the noise catches the attention of the hork that had been standing near them. And the hork looks over and focuses right on where their hiding spot is. The kids freeze, but then something breaks in all of them, and like a jolt of electricity, they scatter. Jake orders them to split up, and they do, except for Rachel, who just goes with Jake. And Jake assesses the situation, noticing that Tobias is totally out of shape. Cassie and Marco are too short to run fast. And in the same moment that Jake figures it out, Rachel has already realized this. And so she slows down and starts calling attention to her. The hork turns and starts tearing off after them. They're running when Jake trips and Rachel doesn't realize for a moment. Behind him, he can hear the hork speaking a mix of English and their alien language. And Jake is back up and running. Rachel's like, oh shit, he's fallen behind. So she slows down and he just says, don't be stupid, run. She assesses that she can't help him and bolts. And then Jake draws the attention of the Horkbusher to himself. He launches himself into a half-built area that he and Marco had explored before. It's pitch black and he feels his way around into a half room, listening as the Horkbusher talks to a human who is saying, no need to capture whoever they are. Just bring me the head when you get it for identification. Jake bumps into something soft and he realizes it's a human. It's a homeless person who says, hey, this is my spot. And then a light is on this homeless guy and he's blinking. And Jake hopes that they let the guy go. He hopes that the guy escaped. But Jake will never know because he used that as a distraction to run. He ran and ran, hoping all of this was a nightmare. I don't know that that hit me in the original synopsis. Like, it must have. It must have been horrifying, but like... There's so much horrifying stuff has happened that sometimes shit like this happens. I'm like, wow, that's, like, fucking awful. Like, yeah. our death count is already very high. Yeah. This next part is insane. So, um, the next day, Jake wakes up, and he's like, I thought for sure I would have had nightmares, but it turns out that my reality is now worse than anything my mind can conjure. <laughs> Baby, you don't even know. <laughs> 
You don't even know how bad it's been. Yeah, <laughs> <a> friend. <laughs> The next thing he knew, his mom was pounding on his bedroom door, asking if he was up. And he sits up saying, yeah, 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 rubbing the sleep out of his eyes. And she goes, your friend Tobias is here. And this, I feel like, was a moment where Jake's sitting in bed and he's just mouthing to himself, my friend Tobias? Oh, no! (laughs) I barely know the guy. Oh, no. But he was just like, sure, Tobias can come in, whatever. And I remember us talking about this version of Tobias when we were originally recording this because Tobias walks in like totally energized, like snapping his fingers, talking fast, pacing, giddy. And we were like, what the fuck is with this guy? (laughs) He's so hyped. He's so hype about this shit. Uh, He's like, Jake, I did it. I morphed, dude. And Jake for probably the most disbelievable fact in this whole series, knows that dude is his cat. Yeah. I don't... I don't know how that happened. Like, Jake knows a lot of kind of things about Tobias that I don't think he would have known unless he, like, went over to Tobias's house to hang out or something. Yeah. So that's, like, what's so crazy about this is, like, he'd have us believe this whole time that, like, he barely knows Tobias, that he just kind of saved him from bullies one time and, like... Otherwise, he just, like, follows him around. But, like, he knows a fuck ton about Tobias and his home life and everything. Yeah. Unless <laughs> I'm kind of picturing just, like, Jake and Marco are just, like, sitting at the lunch table. And Tobias is just, like, telling him his whole life story and won't shut up about it. And Jake's just kind of sitting there uncomfortably. But I don't picture that as a thing either. But maybe. No, that's, like, not Tobias-like. Though. But, like, maybe he would do that because he doesn't have anyone to talk to about. I don't know. It's. I don't. I feel like he'd be pretty quiet about that. Yeah, like maybe he'd mention he has a cat named Dude, because that's not like a really upsetting part of his life. I assume. Yeah. No. It might have just been there talking about pets one day. Yeah. The whole thing that like Jake knows about him being shuttled off to his aunt's. Though, although that could have come up if he was like, "Oh, Tobias, you're back. I didn't see you last year." And he was like, "Oh yeah, I went to live with my aunts on the mm-hmm. other side of the country. Now I'm back." Yeah, this is this is when I wrote that it was weird to experience Tobias as a human. Like, he just doesn't feel yeah. like the same character to me. He doesn't. I don't know. I mean, I, it's so hard to tell because, like, Tobias clearly is the one that is most affected by all of this. So, like, we've yeah. known Tobias for all of ten seconds before, like, the most traumatic thing in his already very traumatic life happens to him. Yeah. And then he gets stuck in a bird by... Like, Tobias is going through a lot of fucking shit very fast. Mm-hmm. <laughs> like, faster than the rest of them. Yeah. So it's hard. It's hard to kind of nail that down. But I, I agree with you that I think Tobias is kind of different in this first book. Like, I think they didn't have his character totally nailed yet. Yeah, I think it was more successful to set up, like, his backstory. Um, mm-hmm. But, like, as far as, like, him as a character, it's not really um accurate to the rest of the series which is fine like you know that's a fine accomplishment to make because like yeah we don't really know any of the other kids yet either it's just kind of what jake tells us right exactly and i mean for all we know jake found this out because tobias had to go to the doctor one time to get school immunizations so his uncle took him one time and now his dad knows this and jake found out from his dad and tobias doesn't know that jake knows it like there's so many ways around this like you know who knows or maybe tobias sat down at the lunch table and just told him all one day because why the fuck not i just i have a hard time believing that he would tell marco anything maybe jake yeah that's true but i don't think he'd tell marco 
jack shit. Yeah. Or maybe like he... Because Marco's a fucking asshat. <laughs> Sorry. <laughs> maybe he was talking to Jake and then Marco came over and then he got silent. Like, I could picture that happening. Yeah, that could be. Because Jake also asks very adult prodding questions. Like, he asked his dad how his day at work was. Yeah. Like, so maybe Jake is a weird prodding question kind of guy early on before he has to, like, oh. suck into himself to become the leader. Yeah, like, oh, I don't know. I want to know, know the backstory, either. and I want to know Tobias and Rachel's backstory, which we never get, and I'm yes. sad. Yes. That's so upset, because clearly they have more than just this moment. Like you know, Throughout the whole book, they have so much chemistry, and I'm like, I want to know. <laughs> Their relationship is extremely private. Because <laughs> even Jake, like, there's multiple parts in this book where, like, she was holding his hand here, or when he was a hawk. Before he was even stuck as a hawk, he came and landed on her shoulder, and, like, she leaned her head yeah! against him, and Jake's like... This is weird. Like, why is she doing that? Like, that's not a Rachel move. Yeah. Like, I kind of got the impression, because I didn't remember through the first read through about any of that, but like, I got the impression that they mm-hmm. grew to love each other through the course of the war. But this book implicates that they had something even before all of this started. Yeah. And I want to know. Yeah. I want to know too, because it never comes up, but clearly it's there. That's the one thing the TV show is going for it, is it kind of got into the <laughs> a possibility of how they met and got to know each other. Yeah. And that Tobias was a 22-year-old we'll man, which was weird. We'll talk about <laughs> Christopher. that. Christopher. Christopher. <laughs> I don't know, man. I'm just a bird. <laughs> oh, I can't wait to talk about the TV show. Oh, yes. But we're talking about the first Okay. Book. This is the last hurdle that okay. we have to clear before we can talk about the TV I'm show. Ready. Okay. Don't you love it when you set yourself up your own hurdles <laughs> and then get mad that you have to clear your own hurdles? I hate it. Ah, <laughs> <laughs> oh, shit. Anyways, so Tobias is pumped because he morphed dude, and Jake's kind of like, uh, sure, dude. And Tobias is very quickly like, what? You don't want to believe in this? You think I'm crazy. Like, you were there. You saw all this. You can't, you know, what What are you, what? You think I'm crazy? And Jake's like, well, you're in my room telling me you turn into a cat. And that objectively does sound a little crazy. And Tobias is like, okay, so you don't want to believe in the ships and the yurks and blah, blah, blah. And Jake's like in his own head, like, I do not want to believe in the ships. I do not want to believe in the yurks. And then Tobias is like, what about Elfangor? You don't want to believe in Elfangor? And Jake's like, well, I do want to believe in Elfangor. There's something about him that I don't want to disbelieve. You can't just pick and choose. And then Tobias is like, <laughs> he wants to, though. <laughs> <laughs> Tobias is like, I know, I'll show you. So then Tobias starts turning into a cat right in front of him. <laughs> and it's, of course, like a gross and disgusting morph. And like Tobias is shrinking into his clothes. But um, the only thing that's going through Jake's head is how he has to resist the urge to giggle because if he starts now, he doesn't think he'd ever be able to stop. (laughs) I love that. (laughs) I love that too. So Tobias gets to full cat and Jake is like, I hope I'm asleep. And Tobias responds, you're not asleep. And Jake's like, is that you? And Tobias is like, of course, who the fuck else would it be? And then, like, Tobias gets really pumped, like, hey, ThoughtSpeak works like it did with the Andalite. This is so cool. Um, and this is where we get, like, the biggest, like, K.A. screw-up moment. Um, <laughs> that's what she calls them. Like, the ana- anagram? Anacronym? K-A-S-U. K-A screw-ups. Oh. Anyways, whatever. 
Um, so Jake is like, I think I'm going insane talking to this cat. And then Tobias is like, look at my cool acrobatics. I can jump on a thing and do this. And like, they have this moment where like Jake is like, I wonder if he can hear me. And then like Jake thinks really hard, like Tobias, can you hear me? And Tobias is like, yeah, I can hear you. Yeah. You have to focus your thought. So it's it doesn't make any sense. Just ignore that. That never comes into play. If you read the first book, just fucking let that I go. kind of wonder if they started to make that a thing and then they realized that it would kind of fuck up the rest of the books a little bit. Or it would make things too easy if the kids could communicate yeah. as humans to the morphs. I. I think it would make it too easy. Yeah. And they were like, we don't want to make it too easy. Yeah, that's that's the fear I have if they have, um, if they make the movie in modern day times and they all have cell phones. Like, I feel like things are just going to be too easy at that point. Yeah. That's my fear. I've The longer I've sat with that, the more I'm like, I don't, it can't be modern day times. We have to have it be the 90s. Yeah. Plus, like, just the joy we get out of all the 90s references. Yeah. One of them's going to have to be doing a skip it in the drive. <laughs> they just playing bop it. <laughs> <laughs> All the stupid toys. Your axe, have they, a bop it. Figure out it out. With. Oh, my God. Oh, my God. I have to draw you that. You would destroy it. You have to draw oh. that. He would, like, just... No one could ever beat him. <laughs> He'd, like, hit stuff with his tail. <laughs> and then break it on oh accident. My God. Oh, my God. Oh, no. What if he, like, just got so good at it that he, like, secretly joins a underground bop it gambling <laughs> Which, of course, is a thing. Oh, my God. I love that so oh much. God. I have to draw X doing a bop it. Uh, and it's already, like, canon that he's way better at video games than everybody that's else. That's true. He's very so, good at a lot of things. <laughs> he would suck at Skip It, though. Oh, my God. Sure. He would fall the fuck over. <laughs> He would not only fall over, but that giant goddamn cannonball on a string would destroy his ankles. He'd have to, like, demorph to heal the injuries done by that. Oh, God. Fucking hell. What the fuck were 90s toys? I mean, I know there are no lawn darts, but, like, Jesus. Oh. Some of those things. Oh, no. Axe on a slip and slide. Oh, no. <laughs> this is a rabbit hole. I love this. See, this is why I'm so pissed that we never even got one book that was just the kids hanging out doing stupid shit. Oh, my shit. God. Because, like, yeah. this would be amazing. Oh, no. Uh, super soakers, slip and slide. Oh, my God. I'm picturing, like, Bill and Ted when they take Napoleon to the water park. Oh, my God. That. That is the only thing I can see. Oh, my God. Get out of my way. Yes. I'm going down the water slide. And then the whole ice cream thing with the ziggy. <laughs> That's Axe, like brain freeze, just scoop. And then like somebody goes to like take a scoop and he puts a spoon across it. Like, no, <laughs> my ice cream. <laughs> oh, I've perished. It's, it just, I'm so mad we never got that. Like, I know why we didn't oh. get it. This is a very serious series, but I want it so bad. Oh, like. Oh my god, give us, this is this is our list of demand. Rachel and Tobias backstory pre this book. Yes. A day where they fuck around and do nothing. Yes. <laughs> Just hang. Oh my god. Oh. The other thing that I really like about this scene is that there's a lot, actually throughout the whole book, there's a lot of focus on Tobias's eyes and like the expressions mm -hmm. and like his 
he like gives Jake like a steely gaze and like his eyes were really bright and it just kind of like I feel, I feel like I'm reading into it a little bit but that could like echo the fact that um he turns into a hawk and it's all there's a lot of eye descriptors there as well I don't think you're reading into it at all. There's a line in this chapter that, like, Jake said, I looked into, like, those eyes, and it was the last time I would ever see them in this form. Like, yeah. something like that, where he's like, it's, yeah. I don't think you're reading into that at oh. all. Like, Tobias is very expressive as a human when he starts. Yeah. <laughs> now I have the skip it theme stuck in my head. <laughs> skip it, skip it. Da, da, da. Bop it. <laughs> <laughs> Oh my god, what if Axe had to continually get distracted in missions because his Tamagotchi needed something? Oh no! <laughs> oh my god, Axe and a Furby. Have we talked about that? I feel like we've talked about that. I feel like we've talked about the Furby. I don't know if we've covered Tamagotchi before. <laughs> I feel like he'd just get freaked out by the Furby and he would just like slice it in half. <laughs> <laughs> My favorite part about that would be the interaction where the Furby's like, and Axe is like, <laughs> oh god, what if he sliced it in half and the Furby kept like talking because they're all demonically possessed? Oh no, they are demonically possessed. Oh, I need to make this. Okay, I'm making it. Anyway, we can go back to the story. Okay, moving right along. So, um, Tobias basically just goes batshit. He's like, watch me jump on this thing. Jake, pull a string for me. Pull a string for me, Jake. Do it. And in my notes, I wrote, Jake does so because he is a nice friend <laughs> and has a string in his desk drawer from a birthday a few years oh back. Oh, God. <laughs> um, it's when Tobias starts going off on, like, a weird, like, evil monologue about hunting mice that Jake's like, dude, get a grip. Like, what the fuck? Don't worry, Tobias. And you'll Tobias... be hunting mice soon enough. Yeah, exactly. <laughs> Oh, God. And Tobias has, like, this sudden realization, like, it's not just me in here. My cat's in here, too. Like, I still have all the instincts and the desires and blah, blah, blah. And Tobias is very embarrassed because he demorphs and he's naked. And he's like, sorry. And he's, like, pulling on all his clothes as fast as he can. (laughs) And, like, I just, like, it really hit me here, like, how awkward it actually is to, like, be naked in front of your friends. Like... That's a thing that you have to hit, like, your later years before you're like, I don't give a shit if you see my boobs and we're changing in front of each other. (laughs) But, yeah, that's super awkward. Like, I can't imagine being, like, in middle school. I still, like, think about the lengths we go to in middle school, like, put a shirt on and take your shirt off underneath it. Yeah, I'm thinking back to, like, high school gym class. I was like, no way! I would, no. (laughs) No. I'm not. (laughs) So... I'll smell for the rest of the day. I'm not taking a shower in front of other people. Like, it's not happening. Oh, never. I would never take a shower in front of other people in high school. But the other day, I was at a horse show, and I was wearing a long sleeve shirt because I don't... Sunscreen's a fucking scam. (laughs) And it was just so hot. And my friend brought me a tank top, and I was like, okay, I'm going to change. And I tried to do that thing where I put on one shirt over the other, and and I got tangled up because I, I... didn't do it right so then i was like fuck it and i took all my clothes like literally in the middle of a giant field with like people everybody at the horse show around i was not like in a corner or like blah 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 i'm standing in the middle of the aisle i'm just standing there in a bra now taking all my clothes off untangling my shirts putting the one i'm like i don't even know why i tried no one gives a shit like come on this is fine oh man oh 
God. So, yeah, I, I was really feeling for Tobias how embarrassing it would be to be naked in front of your friend and, like, somebody who kind of saved you from bullies. There's, yeah. There's, like, a weird power dynamic there that I would be very concerned yeah, about. Yeah, for sure. Oh, poor Tobias. But it happens more than I... once in this book. <laughs> Tobias never masters morphing clothes before he gets trapped he as a hawk. He does. You'd think that would be, you know, Cassie mentions it, like, very early on. You'd think that would be, like, his first priority to be like, okay, teach me. Like, right. <laughs> but no. Maybe at, like, this point he's like, well, the boys have already seen me naked twice. I don't really need to work on this. They've seen everything there is to see. <laughs> oh, No. I do like how uh, Rachel goes off on him about his male modesty or something oh, yeah. like that. Yeah, don't that worry, I'll turn around. I won't look at anything. It's fine. Ugh. <laughs> 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 uh, anyways, Tobias is very embarrassed about all of this. Um, and then he mentions even, like, maybe with some practice we can learn to change back with clothes. And Jake's like, we... And Tobias is like, yeah, you too. And Jake is like, no, man, you, not me. I'm not doing this bullshit. <laughs> and Tobias is like, well, it's obvious that if I can do it, then you can do it. You touched the cube. We were in the, it was the same thing. And Jake's like, no, I'm just not morphing. It's just not me. And Tobias is like, you've got to, you're the leader. And Jake's like, I'm not the leader. I'm not the leader of anything. I'm just a kid, blah, 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 blah. <laughs> and Tobias is like, but you are. You're the one that's going to bring us together to fight the controllers and really rally people. Like, they believe in you, Jake. And Jake's like, I didn't want to believe it, but I realized that what Tobias said was true. And so he slowly nods his head, feeling like he's agreeing to something terrible, and a very obvious weight settles on his shoulders. And he says, all right, let's go find Homer. So I, I thought mm-hmm. that was weird. How Tobias seems to have this kind of, like, future knowledge. Like, you're going to be the one to save us, blah, 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 blah. But he never says why. He never brings it, like, oh, but you were the one who stood up for me when those bullies were doing this, blah, blah, blah. Or, like, he never, like, gives reasons why Jake should be the leader. He Everyone is just like, oh, you just are the leader. And Jake's like, well, okay, yeah. I guess I'll accept this with no argument. Like, <laughs> I don't know. I always thought that was kind of weird. Yeah. It feels a little, like, I destiny mean, to me. Yeah. Which it makes sense when, like, later on we find out that the Elemis chose them to do this. Like, they are yeah. literally the chosen ones by a god. Yeah. Like, yeah. I don't know. I don't know. But, like, I'm I'm leaning really heavily into, like, there's there are people that are more willing to, like, stand up and do stuff. Like, that when they ask you something, you're like... You look at them like, should should we? Should you want? Mm-hmm. Is that what you want to do? <laughs> like, I'll do it if you do it. Like, yeah, you know, yeah. that's an experience I have quite often. Oh man, Homer! Homer. They find Homer, and Jake pets him, feeling like an idiot. Why? You should never feel like an idiot while petting a dog. I don't know. Maybe because he's like, I'm not really gonna become this dog, right? Like, this is dumb. <laughs> Dogs. I can't be a dog. That's insane. <laughs> but he's a good dog. Uh, he's, oh my God. Okay, yeah. Sorry, let's go through this chapter because that's the worst part. <gasps> yeah, so, okay. Um, <laughs> I know exactly what you're talking about. Anyway. Yes. So Jake is petting Homer and he starts concentrating on acquiring him. And Homer goes into a bit of a trance-like state for about 10 seconds. And then afterwards, Homer jumps up and is his normal happy self. 
And so Tobias and Jake head into Jake's room, and Jake starts concentrating. And he gave it a little time, and then he's kind of like, he says something really fucking lame, like, bow wow, guess it didn't work. Like, <laughs> what the fuck, Jake? And then he's like, but his hand was itchy. So he goes to scratch his hand, he realizes that there's a bunch of orange fur growing on it. And Tobias is like, it's working, dude. Like, look at your face. And so he looks in the mirror, and he sees that his ears are larger and higher up on his head than they were before. And Tobias is like, yeah, you just stop the morph. Like, you just got to concentrate and keep going. And Jake's like, okay. So he goes back to concentrating, and then he starts feeling the actual, like, internal changes. Like, his bones are rearranging, his nose is growing out, his spine shot out into a tail. And when he makes it to dog, he takes in this big breath of air, and, like, the next thing that followed was this overwhelming amount of information. Like, he could smell that Tobias had passed through another dog's territory. He knew what the dog ate. He knew even which dog it was and that he was neutered. And I had to switch this from gelded so many times <laughs> because words are hard. Um, <laughs> he could smell his mom downstairs making waffles. And then he could sense, like, and smell that there was this other dog in his yard. So he runs to the window and starts barking. And Tobias is like, "It's th- this is the instinct part. You got to control it. That's just Homer, blah, blah, blah. And that's when they hear Tom going like, Jake, do you have Homer? And he barges into his room and he goes, mom's on the phone. Keep Homer quiet. And then he looks at Tobias. He's like, oh, you're, you're not Jake. Who the fuck are you? And he's like, I'm Tobias. And Tom's like, well, where's Jake? And Tobias is like, oh, around. <laughs> he's around. around. This is his house. He's around. Good job, um, Tobias. And then, good job, Tobias. Nailed that lie. <laughs> Cindy Crawford. <laughs> Cindy Crawford, you nailed it. Um, and then Tom's like, oh, okay, so there's a creepy kid here. And then he goes, okay, Homer, you're a bad dog. And he shuts the door. And Jake was like, I'm not a bad <laughs> dog. There's just another dog in my yard. How could you say this to me? I'm a good They're dog. They're good dogs, Tom. I'm a good dog, Tom. And then Tobias scratches him behind the ears, and he's like, that makes me feel a Oh, bad. I love it. I am a I good am dog. I am a good dog. <laughs> I'm a great oh, dog. I felt so bad for him. Me too. This was... Tom's the fucking... This is what really solidified Tom as the villain. <laughs> <laughs> Tom yells at dogs. He sucks. Tom yelled at Homer. He's a dick. Also, it's no good oh, to yell at Jesus. a dog after they've done the behavior. Like, a couple minutes after they've done the bad thing because then they don't know what you're talking about yeah luckily jake was able to put it together because of his human intelligence but if that was a real dog that was even worse what you did anyways so tobias heads out they he promises to meet back up later and then jake calls everybody to tell him to meet him at cassie's barn uh as jake is finishing up his phone call with cassie tom walks in and does the Riker sit on a chair (laughs) he does (laughs) he does And uh, Jake just got this weird gut feeling, and he realized that he didn't want to say anything in front of Tom, like, to Cassie. Like, he doesn't want to say anything. So he just kind of finishes his phone call, and he hangs up. And he's like, normally something this, like, monumental that happens in my life would be the exact thing that I'd run and tell my big brother. But lately, things have been really weird between them. So Jake said, my other big news was I didn't make the basketball team. So he tells Tom that, you know, I didn't make it. And Tom goes, oh, well. And Jake's like, what do you mean? Oh, well, like, what What do you mean that? Like, you should be shocked. You should be horrified. And then Tom goes, I quit the basketball team myself a few days ago, you know, to focus on other work. And Jake's like, we have never been further apart than this <laughs> Who moment. are you? You're a stranger. <laughs> You're an imposter. <laughs> 
And uh, it really was, like, Tom was like, yeah, I didn't tell you or Dad because I knew you guys were freaks, so I'm just really busy at the sharing, you know, <laughs> blah, blah, blah. And Jake's kind of like, okay. So then Jake leaves that conversation that's freaked him out. He's like, I got to go mow the lawn. There's a lot of details about mowing the lawn in here, <laughs> which I'm going to gloss right over because no one cares. And then he heads out to Cassie's barn. When he gets there, he sees Rachel and Marco waiting outside, but Cassie was nowhere to be found. And when he reaches them, Rachel hands him a newspaper, like, read this shit. <laughs> and uh, Stay informed. So when he reads it, it's an article about the, the construction site and how there's many people reporting a UFO sighting and all that kind of jazz. And Jake's like, awesome. Everybody knows we can get authorities in on this. This is fantastic. And Rachel's like, read the rest of the fucking article, dude. <laughs> Rachel, in my mind, has just gone totally intense She now. swears constantly. She swears constantly in my there was like two times it happened in this whole book i'm gonna extrapolate on that to say it's constant because <laughs> rachel's amazing I love, <laughs> I love it too uh so um the end of the article was an interview with the police like chief of police or whatever saying like it's just a bunch of teenagers setting off fireworks nothing to worry about at all they were just being idiots but also it's very dangerous to set off fireworks so let us know if you know anything about these crimes God. And Jake's like, what does this mean? And Marco's like, it means the police are controllers, Jake. Get with the program. (laughs) Oh, no. (laughs) Oh, Uh, no. So Jake was still processing this news when Rachel's like, oh, here comes Cassie. And he turns around to see this riderless, tackless horse come galloping towards them. And he's like, what do you mean there's Cassie? (laughs) And then the horse stops and begins demorphing. Of course, he realizes now, oh, Cassie's the horse. And in this, like, first moment of ever seeing Cassie demorph, we already know that she's, like, super fucking talented at it. Because she starts, like, only half morphing into, like, kind of a sensual creature. And she also has the skin-tight clothing on already. Because Jake goes to turn away and then realizes, like, oh, shit, she has clothes. Like, damn, like, this is great. And about halfway through this morph, he's like, oh, this really reminds me of the Andalite, the way she's kind of like demorphing her human half and blah, blah, blah. But this is all interrupted because a car comes racing down Cassie's driveway and they all circle around her to hide her. And then they realize it's a police car coming towards them. So Jake starts going, demorph, Cassie, demorph. And Cassie's panicking, like, which way? Jake's like, human, human. And he realizes like, Part of her panic is she's now fighting the horse's instincts to, like, flee and spook and panic. (laughs) Somebody thought too hard about ghosts. (laughs) Somebody thought too hard about ghosts and her horse half was trying to explode. (laughs) My favorite meme ever. So, uh, the police car pulls up, sending gravel flying, and a single police officer steps out of the car going, What are you kids hiding? What are you doing? And they're like, We're not hiding anything. And the police officer's like, Step aside! And they do, and it's just Cassie sitting there. And the cop just kind of is like, Huh. Okay. And he shrugs. And then he's like, so anyways, there were some teenagers in the construction site last night. Do you know anything about that? And they're like, no, of course we don't. What? Why would we know anything about it? And then the cops like goes to Jake and he's like, you look familiar. You look like a young man I know named Tom. And Jake's like, yeah, that's my brother. Yep. And the cop's like, he's a good man. Good young man. He's in the sharing. You should come along sometime. Come <laughs> so to the sharing. <laughs> Such a fucking, like, (laughs) they all suck at this. Oh, my God. They're so bad at this. 
Oh my god. Oh, and then you'll appreciate this next note that I wrote. Um, after he pitches them on the sharing, the cop then fucks off to go harass people and ruin <laughs> lives while the kids debate what the fuck to do. <laughs> I know, this whole time I'm like, it's kind of an uncomfortable truth that still rings true how we can't really trust cops. <laughs> oh, never. I've never, since Animorphs, I've never trusted oh, the cops. Oh, no. Or <laughs> Uh, 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 god i'm laughing because i'm uncomfortable (laughs) i'm laughing because if i don't laugh i'll scream forever (laughs) (laughs) um so marco of course they're debating like what they're gonna do about this and marco's like i'm out i'm not gonna fight this insane war and he was like horrified the whole time watching cassie demorph because he was like the only one that hadn't seen Mm -hmm. it and he was like oh fuck this um and rachel and tobias are of course in they're both like yeah we want to help we want to do this we're doing it and cassie's like this isn't deciding whether or not we're wearing like pants or a miniskirt let's all take a breather and consider what to do this isn't like a black and white simple decision and Jake latches on to this. He's like, oh, thank God for Cassie. He's like, yeah, we're going to think about it. Let's all just go home and think about it. So they do. They split up. Marco and Jake decide to go back to Jake's house and play video games. And the whole time they're talking about kid things, like, you know, video game things and <laughs> shit. They arrive at Jake's house and uh, they take over the computer playing the game that they decided on, whose name I meant to write down but did not. Yeah. Until Tom walks in and he's like, can I have a turn? And they're like, sure, here, Tom, have a turn. And Tom does like three things and then he's like, so anyways, what do you guys know about the construction site? <laughs> and they're like, so bad. nothing. <laughs> and Tom is like, no, you could tell me if you knew. Like, I'm not going to get them in trouble or anything. I think it's kind of cool that they went through the construction site. <laughs> and they're like, super cool, Tom. We know nothing. And then Tom goes, hey, you were at the mall last night, right? And they're like, yeah. And he's like, you didn't go through the construction site, did you? And like... <laughs> It's so fucking weird. And then finally, he's like, whatever. I got to go to the sharing. You guys should come along. It's real cool. (laughs) Finally, he leaves. And like, as soon as he's out of earshot, Marco's like, yeah, hey, so your brother's a controller. Like, 100%, your brother's a controller. And Jake punches Marco and then goes to take another swing, which Marco dodges. And then Marco throws the blanket over him and grabs (laughs) him. And Casey's favorite scene of all that time. So much. I mean, it's how you catch birds. Oh. You just throw a blanket over them and then you pick them up. Sure. <laughs> sure. Yeah. Oh shit. <laughs> oh, when I was writing that down, I was like, I remember when that wasn't like as big of a deal for me, and then you mentioned it, and now it's like it's so important in my mind that he threw a blanket over Jake to oh calm him God. down. I throw a blanket over my cat and I bundle her up if I have to do her nails and she doesn't want to. Like it's just it's such exactly a useful tactic it is it's obviously a useful <laughs> tactic oh <laughs> uh, i love that scene so much <laughs> me too um yeah so marco does that and then eventually he's like if you calm down i'll let you go and maybe i'm wrong about tom who knows he's not wrong about tom but he was being a nice friend and jake's like all right i'll be calm so he lets Jake out, and Jake's, like, fighting not to punch Marco again. But they're interrupted by a fluttery noise at the window. And when they turn, they see a large bird flapping outside. And it goes, let me in! I can't hover here all day! So they open the window. The bird shoots in, lands on Jake's bed, and starts demorphing in an absolutely disgusting way. <laughs> with, like, 
the feathers melting into wax and toes splitting off from the talons and blah, blah, blah. And Marco's like, I thought we agreed not to morph. And Tobias is like, I never agreed to that. (laughs) (laughs) And then he starts talking about thermals and how amazing it is to be a bird because this aspect of Tobias's personality will ring true at all times. (laughs) Thermals will always be important. Um, so once Tobias's disgusting morph was over, he was sitting naked on Jake's bed and he asked to borrow some clothes. So Jake tries to lend him some. Shoes are hopeless, but like he at least has like pants and a shirt for him. And um, Tobias is like, yeah, I got this bird morph from Cassie's barn. I thought maybe I could like scope out, try and find a yerk pool, blah, blah, blah. And Marco and Jake are like, what, what the fuck are you on about? <laughs> And Tobias is like, you remember when the Andalite gave me, like, that extra knowledge all jumbled up in my head, like, when he touched my head? Yeah, so there's this thing called a yerk pool. They need candrona rays every three days. It's their biggest weakness. Blah, blah, blah. It's, like, nutrients. Blah, 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 blah. We already know all this. We've talked about every single book in this series. We know all about this. So... Then Marco starts going like, wow, man, so you're really uh, trying to be a hero, huh? When you were just getting swirlied the other day. And Tobias is like... So anyways, (laughs) let's talk about this pool. We should blow it up. And Marco's like, what the fuck are you on about, dude? You're a nerd. You can't even stand up for yourself. You want to pretend to be some big hero? And Tobias is like, dude, the Andalite died for us. He might, I might have not stood up for myself before, but I'm not going to sit by and let Elfangor's death mean nothing. And then he tells them that whatever they decide to do does not matter to him. He's going to fight. And I fucking loved that Aww. moment. Because that does see Like, to me, that does ring through his <laughs> device. Like, he would do anything for his friends. Yeah. And Marco's being so mean to so, him. Marco's such a dick to him. <laughs> and it just... It made oh me think God. of their last, like, big adventure with, with Axe. Like, going to get the governor and, like, how far they came. And stealing the tank together... And it's like, Marco, I feel like, used to hate Tobias, and now, like, they're friends, and I love that. Yeah. I mean, in this book, it really, I just really got the sense that part of the reason that Marco hates him so much is because he hates that Jake has, like, another friend that wants to hang out with him. And he's, like, really threatened by that. Because that was definitely a thing when we were that age. When I was that age. I was like, yeah. You know, I was so afraid of losing my friends to other people that were cooler than me, and I developed a complex and shit Ugh. yes that's why i've trapped you in this podcast. <laughs> you can't have any friends but me <laughs> perfect that's right every other friend you hang out with i'm like we have to record then when they want to hang out oh with you God. i have job security now <laughs> uh, yeah, that's interesting i didn't think about that that's it really hit me like, I think that's what was happening mm-hmm. at first. And then, who knows? Marco also hates people that feel, like, sorry for themselves. And I feel oh. like Tobias definitely goes on this, I'm a bird. And so he he's already does. like, I fucking hated you before, and now you're even he worse. He does hate like, that. And that's why he always gets mad at Jake when Jake feels down on himself. Mm-hmm. And it's, so it's like the double whammy with Tobias of, like, stop trying to f- steal my friend, and also you're the worst person, <laughs> and I hate you. <laughs> oh, no. Which is not true. Tobias is the he best is. person. He's How a dare sweet you, little Marco. artist. He is a sweet little sensitive artist boy <laughs> who loves birds. <laughs> oh, God. Wow, this next chapter is incredibly long and I have no real sense of what we're going to talk about. So let's get okay. into it. Oh, okay. Sorry. I scanned. So here's the next chapter. 
Tobias's speech gets to Jake, and Marco, ever analytical, realizes Jake is already on Tobias's side. So he switches tactics. Instead of arguing with Tobias, he goes, hey, remember that cop earlier? And then Tom, they were super interested in the kids at the construction site, and then they both invited us to go to the sharing. If they're both controllers, and sorry, Jake, I definitely think that Tom's a controller, then this sharing meeting is probably a yerk front. And Jake is just incredibly angry at Marco. Like, how dare you accuse my brother of being a controller again? We just had the blanket fight. And then uh, he's like, but that makes sense. So I'm mad at you, Marco, but that does make sense. (laughs) And then Marco just like goes, Jake, you've never experienced real life. And Jake has this moment of like, that's true. Like, you know, Marco and Tobias have both suffered like great loss in their life and had really hard like upbringings, at least recently for Marco. (laughs) Because he lost his mom and blah, blah, blah. But I've lived this suburban life with the nuclear family. The and nuclear blah, blah, family. And I love that. Yeah. <laughs> so he was like, everything's been great. So, like, I get it. I'm pretty privileged. And, like, you know, that's that's a thing that I'm self-conscious about. And Marco then continues, like, so if Tom's a controller and you want to fight, are you ready to destroy your own brother? Can you do that? And Jake was, like, horrified at this thought and he just goes hopefully it doesn't come to that and like this hit so fucking hard oh no (sighs) this is one of those things where i'm like oh my god like book one this is set up no (sighs) man oh shit this is why Jake's first thought is, how do I explain to my parents that I sent my cousin to kill oh, my brother? Oh, no. Oh, so, so brutal. <laughs> speaking of Tom, and I was yeah. thinking about this when Tom was playing video games with them. I think it's kind of sad that we didn't get more of the real Tom. Like, we just right? kind of saw glimpses of him fighting the Yurk. And, like, I loved those moments, obviously. But, mm-hmm. like... I'm just so sad. Well, that and fighting Visor 1. Or Visor 3. Yeah. Like, I'm just so sad that we never got to see more of Tom. Like, even in a flashback or something. Like. Oh, that's absolutely. That's something that, like, when I'm reading the last, like, the last book, especially from Jake's perspective, I'm always, like, I'm so bummed that we never got more of, like, real Tom. And, like, how fucking awful that at the end of three plus years of being enslaved Mm -hmm. how it ends for him is he dies by the hand of his own cousin yeah and oh god that's awful for him like he had so much hope like he saw because tom's yerk knew the war was coming to an end so tom would have known the war was coming to an end right then and there and like he must have been so desperate but then so happy and then even dying he must have been like i'm just so glad that my brother stopped it and then he died and we never get that narrative. I know, and like it, it's kind of how I feel about James and the auxiliary animorphs. How like they were just killed in cold blood, and we never got to say goodbye to them. That's how I feel about Tom. Like it feels very real to what like actually happens in the world. How the people that you love are just suddenly yeah. taken from you, and you don't necessarily get that goodbye. But I'm just really mm-hmm. sad about James and the others, and Tom especially because we we've. Uh, probably James and the others more because we actually got to know them and love them. But yeah, but yeah, I'm really sad we didn't get more of Tom. Yeah, because I mean, everything that Jake like 
he doesn't outright say this is again of course Applegate being amazing about showing us yeah, and not telling yeah. us but like Jake is constantly like turning to his big brother for advice or wanting to practice like do basketball practice like the, he seems like such an amazing kind mm-hmm. person just from the way that Jake acts and almost like worships him because he's so cool and then the one two time the two times that we see Tom is the one where he's fighting the Yerk to show through and show Jake, don't believe this guy. Like, he's fighting as hard as he can. And then when he turns to Vizzer 3 and tries to fist fight him when he's a giant yeah. monster to just let other people escape. Like, Tom is like, yeah. he's, <laughs> it's almost like Elfangor acts again. But like, we got Elfangor's story, but we never got yeah. Tom. And of course, Tom's not like a war hero. But like, he seems like that kind of like really honorable, really good guy. Mm-hmm. He's just trying to share because of a girl. I know. It was all for uh, a girl. Never fall for it. Never love yeah. anybody. That's the moral of this story. <laughs> no. Uh, I mean, really, the moral is don't ever join a cult because you have a crush on someone. Yeah. Just don't join a cult ever. Just join. don't join a cult, but especially don't join a cult because you like somebody. And I feel completely comfortable Blanket stating that black and white. I'm taking a stand. I'm planting my flag. Do not join a cult. <laughs> that's it. That's all. That's my opinion. Come at me if you want. If you think cults are good, I'll fight you. This seems like solid advice. <laughs> I will not fight you. I'm just really glad that I could finally take a solid stand on it. We know your, your policies about cults. You know, you know how I feel about cults, <laughs> and it's negative. <laughs> that is bad. Cults are bad. Don't even try to change my mind. It's not going to happen. Cults oh, are bad. Shit. Anyways. R.I.P. Tom. R.I.P. Tom. I'm so sorry that we didn't get to know you. You seem like a really cool dude, even though like we kind of hate you yeah. because of your yerk. We, that's not yeah, your we fault, hate your yerk. We don't sorry. hate you. Yeah. Oh, shit. We don't. You seem so cool. I'm so yeah. sorry. Oh, I just want Tom's last snapshot of thoughts as he died. Oh, Anyways, no. moving right along. You made so, me sad. <laughs> I'm sorry. Uh, so what they can do now, though, is get more information. They could go to this meeting. They could scope it out. And Jake's like, Marco, if you don't want to go to the sharing meeting, you don't have to. And Marco kind of like, he bristles. And then he's like, I'll scope it out. I can do one meeting. <laughs> I can go fine. eat some barbecue, play some volleyball on the beach, I guess. I'll go to your fucking beach party whatever god i think it's almost more because jake's like okay tobias we'll go to a meeting of the sharing marco you don't oh like leave me out how Um, dare you i'm your best friend i am your best friend and video game player this guy's the interloper how fucking (laughs) dare you Uh, so Jake calls Rachel, who, to no one's surprise, says, I'm in. And then he calls Cassie, who says, give me a minute to think about it. And then she's like, all right, I'll come to this meeting. And uh, they decide to walk there so that, like, you know, they don't have to be in a car with Tom, which is great. <laughs> it's only, like, a, I guess, a little ways away from their houses. And about a half mile out, Tobias goes and morphs to Hawk. And he's going to attend as a Hawk, as their eyes in the sky. Because we already have this established. Book one. <laughs> Um, they mention how it's harder to fly at night because there's no thermals, but he manages to find an updraft and take off, and he's fine. And the rest of the kids all go to beach and bonfire night where there's barbecue and volleyball and frisbee and the surf, and they all have a great time. And 
Tom and Jake are playing volleyball on the same team. And like after a few rounds, they're like, okay, let's take a break. And, and they sit down together and Tom starts pitching Jake on joining the sharing. Like, do you see why I like it so much? It's great. And Jake's like, you know what? This is really fun. Like, this is good barbecue. This is great time. I can see why you like it. And Tom's like, yeah. And like, it's so, so much more than this. Like, if you become a full member, there's opportunities you can't even imagine. It'll change your world. (laughs) And Jake's like, and what does one have to do to get full member status? And Tom's just like, you know, stuff. (laughs) Anyways, I got to go to the private meeting. (laughs) Um, But before he goes, Jake notices that Tom's face has a twitch and like part of his mouth pulls and like one of his eyes goes like kind of weird. And then his eyes just fill with this emotion that looks something like fear or terror as he's looking at Jake. And then it's smothered. The expression goes back to normal and Tom just says some bullshit and takes off. And then like once he leaves... Jake is sitting there feeling like he's swallowed barbed wire. And Marco comes running up with Cassie. They're like laughing with the Frisbee. They've had a great time. And Marco goes, I'm sorry, dude. You're totally right. I was wrong about Tom. He's not a controller. This is super fun. And Jake doesn't know whether to laugh or cry because Marco was dead wrong. So sad. Man. So sad. Um, so Jake starts asking if anybody saw where they were meeting and Rachel is joined to the party at this point. She like points out like they went that way (laughs) and Marco starts backtracking going, whoa, whoa, whoa. Didn't we all just agree everything was fine? And Cassie goes, no, dude, it's not fine. It's super creepy here. Like everybody is like Stepford wives here. (laughs) And Marco's kind of like, yeah, everybody's been too nice. Like they, some members keep like giving me cult vibes. (laughs) And uh, they walk over to the lifeguard tower to get some privacy. Uh, Tobias joins them. And Jake's like, I'm going to morph Homer and play the stray dog. I'll just, like, you know, go see the meeting. And Tobias is like, what's what's going on? And Jake fills him in on what they just found out. And uh, he's like, did you see where the meeting was? And Tobias is like, of course. My Hawkeyes can see every mouse scurrying yeah, through the yeah, sand yeah. and blah, blah, blah. And Jake just goes, you've been in morph for over an hour. It's time to demorph. And Tobias is like, I could go a bit longer. And Jake is like, demorph dude and he starts getting worried about like he seems to like this hawk body too much and he keeps like jake made some comment about like don't start eating mice or roadkill or whatever and he goes right (laughs) foreshadowing (laughs) and then like jake kind of gets worried that he kind of maybe likes the idea of like hunting and eating mice and he gets this weird feeling Mm -hmm. when he's like oh just just demorph And this is when Tobias is like, I feel like I'm in a prison every time I'm in my human body. And Rachel's like, you can go back to bird anytime. It's fine. Um, So Tobias demorphs. Jake goes to Homer. And even though Cassie warns Jake not to get too distracted once Jake makes it to full Homer, he, of course, takes off after like a chipmunk. And after a few moments of digging in the sand, he's like, oh, shit, I'm being too much of a dog. Pull it together. Um, So he starts slinking around the meeting. And he's like, a real dog would never slink. He would just bound in. So then he goes like full dog and he's like, ha ha, I'm coming through. And like nobody bats an eye. He's staying away from Tom, obviously, because he doesn't want Tom to like see him because he knows Homer. But like otherwise, he's just meandering through the crowds like nobody gives mm-hmm. a shit. Um, and then finally, the person that everybody there seems to have been waiting for arrives and it's Chapman. And Chapman just starts in, like, Visitor 3 wants answers. Has anybody found out any information about these teens? And 
blah, blah, blah. And Tom says, I don't have any information. No one does, but I suspect it might be my brother. So I brought him here to be taken or killed. And Jake feels like he's been punched. He's like, what the fuck, dude? So um, Jake wanders around, letting his dog brain be in control because he's horrified at what Tom just said and he really can't focus on anything except that his brother is a thousand percent a controller and his brother was planning on killing him. His brother's a yerk. So, yeah. Even as he's listening to Tom talking about going back to the pool, he's, like, not really paying attention until he hears Cassie's voice and then another familiar voice. So he wanders over there, and it's the cop from the day before. And he stopped Cassie and is telling her, like, this meeting's for members only. You can't be back here. And Cassie's nodding and saying, yeah, yeah, I understood. Sorry, I was, like, back here looking for seashells. No big deal. And the cop takes this really hard look at her before letting her walk away. And as she's power walking away, Jake runs up beside her and scares the shit out of her. So once they get back to the to the rest of the group, Jake confirms Tom's a controller, recounts the whole kill him now or take him thing, and how Chapman was the one that was like, no, we can't have kids coming up dead when we're still trying to keep a low profile. We can't kill them, blah, blah, blah. And Rachel's like, hold up one second. Chapman? Like, like the vice principal Chapman? And Jake's like, yeah, he's the one that said, don't worry, because kids are eventually going to talk. And they're all like, well, one, that's crazy that Chapman's a controller, but also we'll never talk. And Marco goes, yeah, we're never going to talk about it because we aren't doing this. We're going to forget all about it and we're going to go home. And Jake goes, no, my brother's one of them. I'm fighting. And this leads to more argument about like, will they or won't they or blah, blah, blah. And Jake finally ends it by saying, I'll let it ride for now. And this was just to shut Marco up. There's no way he's letting it ride for now. And then he says, like, Cassie, what morph can I use to tail Chapman? And Cassie thinks for a while, and then she goes, I have one. A lizard. Yeah. So we cut to Jake crunched up in his locker, all crammed down. And he's like, this is so uncomfortable. And Cassie's right. I should have practiced this morph before doing this because his heart was hammering and he was terrified. And he starts morphing to Green Anole, which is related to the iguana, like we care. <laughs> I love that. That made me I laugh know. so hard. I was like, way to snark at us, Applegate. <laughs> so um, the first thing he notices is he doesn't have to crouch down anymore. He has room to move. And then he continues to shrink and fall, and his clothes are crumpling around him and falling, and his shoes grow to be the size of houses, and then his lizard brain kicks in and he starts panicking. He starts running up a wall, he's sticking to the edges, and he wants to, like, go into the light area. And he finally scampers up to, like, the vents, and he looks out, his tongue tasting the air. He takes a moment as he's trying to get control of the lizard brain, and he's trying to make sense of what he's seeing, because, of course, his eyes now go in two completely different directions. And he's trying to, like, picture it all and figure it out and, like, get control. It doesn't really work, so he just goes, okay, I have to head to Chapman's office. Where is it? And, like, before he can even, like, really think about where it is, he's like, oh, it might be to the left. The lizard is already off and running down the lockers. Um, so he runs down. He hits the ground. He's going down the hallways around a piece of paper, and then he sees a spider. And the spider tries to run, but he is faster, and he just bolts after it. And Jake is screaming, no! But the instincts were too strong, and he chomps down on that spider and eats it. And he can feel it squirming all the way down Hooray! his throat. Yay! Have, he tries to spit it out, but it I have work. to wonder if... So Jake never uses this morph again, and I wonder if it's because he was traumatized by it, or if it's because they just never found it useful in any other time. I have to imagine it's because he was traumatized by it, because I think there's a few 
Like, this would have been a good one for, like, Governor's Mansion mission. Yeah. Like, not a rat, not anything super... Because, like, most people, like, you know, if there's a rat, they might try to kill it. But if it's a lizard, they're kind of, like... I feel like people are more reluctant because they're like, well, it's just a little lizard. What's yeah, it going to yeah. do? It doesn't bring It's, disease. like, big enough that you don't... That you feel bad about killing it. Because it's not a bug. Yeah. Or anything. It's just a He's little a lizard. lizard. He ain't done nothing wrong. He's just a lizard. He ain't done nothing wrong. <laughs> He's a lizard. <laughs> Yeah, I don't know. I feel like there's places to use it, but, you know, there's just as much reason to use any other kind of morph. And this would have been a fun one that, like, Jake morphs into after the war. Like, hey, remember when we were lizards? (laughs) Let's go eat some bugs. Let's go eat some spiders just to feel. (laughs) I eat spiders to feel joy. (laughs) Just to feel anything. Shit. (laughs) so metal oh man that's dark <laughs> <laughs> this is what i the kind of question i was expecting when we did that quiz yesterday about gothic weddings was this kind of question. <laughs> oh, no. uh, anyways um so jake's like uh, he ate the spider he's horrified at himself and he can still feel it moving in his stomach and he's like i'm gonna morph out fuck it i need out this is insane when there's footsteps behind him and shoes. And a second later, it, this giant foot has stepped on his tail and he tries to scramble away, but he's caught. He's trapped for just a moment and then he hears a pop and he's free. And he starts scrambling up the wall and sees his tail wriggling behind him. And Jake was horrified. Like he realizes what happened was a natural thing that lizards do, but he's <laughs> horrified. So he tries to refocus onto the mission at hand and ignore the spider still kicking in his stomach and the fact that he can see his tail wiggling on the ground behind him. And he's like, it's hard to tell with lizard vision, but I think this is Chapman. So he takes off down the hall after him, following this guy. And Jake's ready for this to be like a long stakeout. He and Cassie had kind of talked through this, like, you know, it might be like a week or two before we find anything out, and blah, blah, blah. So Jake's ready to like hide under Chapman's desk and like do the stakeout. And he's like, potentially I'd get in trouble for skipping class. And then ironically, I'd be sent to Chapman. So like, you know, that'd be crazy. Um, but to his great surprise, Chapman stops short of his office and instead opens a janitor's closet And once he opens the door, it goes right over Jake's head. He ducks down. He feels this whoosh of air. He runs into the closet with Chapman and then watches as Chapman closes the janitorial door behind him and then does some cool thing where he, like, starts screwing parts of the sink left and right and then, like, cranking a hook on the wall. And when he twists the crank hook on the wall, the door slides open in the back and then he can hear screams from below. And Jake has found the yerk pool. Yay! Yay! The kids meet up in the food court. Nothing suspicious about a bunch of teens eating nachos. Except that Axe isn't very there. Disappointing. Yeah, I was going to say very disappointing that Axe was not Aww. there eating the nachos. I was really bummed about too. this. Um, but Jake tells him about the yerk pool, and they're all horrified. But when, uh, when the talk turns to doing something about it, Marco's like, nope, I'm still out. And they're like, everybody else is like, we can't, we can't ignore it, Marco. Like, you, how can you just say that you're out? And Marco's like, I can. I just think about how much I don't want to die every time I feel bad. <laughs> same. And like Rachel, is, same. Rachel starts in on him like, how can you do that? Like, this is still important. It's all about Marco. You're always so selfish. But Cassie's like, well, 
it might not be super selfish because it isn't selfish to say that he cares about his dad, who he's already stated would be completely devastated if he lost Marco and his wife. Like, he's not doing well. So that's not selfish at all. And Tobias is like, well, I'm in. I don't have a family, at least not any that give a rat's well, butt about me. And neither does well. anybody else. <laughs> and Rachel is the one that offers up that she cares about Tobias, but she is also in. Just in case there's any <laughs> doubt, Rachel is also in. Um, Jake's about to call it, and uh, that's when Marco just goes, of course I'm in for this one. Like, Jake, you're my best friend. I, Of course I want to help you save Tom. It's after that that I'm out, but I will be in and I will help you for this. And Cassie is, like, looking off a little dreamily. And then she starts comparing this to, like, you know, a long time ago. Like, a long, long time ago. People used to call on animal spirits to help them out in times of despair. And, like, this is kind of a version of that. And Marco is just like, gee, like, okay, let's all go, like, buy our Birkenstocks now and go hug a tree. (laughs) (laughs) And everybody laughs at that. Um, And then, like... Rachel's the one that's like, well, if we are going to use animals, maybe we should get some with some firepower. And they're all like, yeah, we probably do need, like, you know, what's a dog, a cat, and a lizard going to do against all of this? (laughs) So they're like, all right, we got to go to the gardens. Cassie, can you get us in for free? And she's like, I can get in for free, and I can get you guys the employee discount. (laughs) (laughs) And uh, Marco then says, why don't we just tell them the Animorphs are here? Then they should let us in for free. And they're like, the what? And he's like, you know, idiot teens with a death wish. And Marco's like, or Jake's kind of like, I like it. Animorphs. (laughs) (laughs) Dun-dun-dun. It's like that moment when you're watching a movie and the character says the title of the movie in their dialogue. (laughs) Yes. (laughs) Ah, yes, the Philosopher's Stone. (laughs) Uh, Yeah. What's another one that does that a lot? There was one movie that, like, in the it was in a series, and they would always say the title of it in the series oh, somewhere. I don't know. God, I wish I could remember what series that was. Lord God of the Rings it. does it in all three movies. That, you shall be the Fellowship yeah. of the Ring, the Union of the Two Towers, something the Return of the King. All right, so the kids immediately are like, Rachel, good plan, let's go get firepower. Uh, but the gardens is clear across town, so they have to take a bus. Remember when we took God, buses? And paid to go into the gardens? Yeah. Yeah, you mm-hmm. remember that? Good times. I wonder if the gardens ever sued them. <laughs> <laughs> That'd be funny. Anyways, um, yeah, so Jake's like, it was great that we had to take the bus across town. I had time to catch up on homework. Once they're there, they all pool their money to get in. Tobias at first is like, I don't need to go in with you guys. I'm happy with my hawk morph. And it's Rachel that's like, I think that's a big mistake. I think you should absolutely get more firepower. And so they all head in together. They head over to the rainforest area, and Cassie led them to an access door and said, hopefully this is going to go well, but if it doesn't, try not to get caught, especially by security guards, because I can't help you guys save the world if I'm grounded for sneaking my friends into the the behind-the-scenes area. Um, They're definitely feeling out of place as Cassie led them around, and their first stop was to see Big Jim. He was still in his own, like, little quarantine, so he was easy to reach and gentle, and Cassie goes, who thinks they might want to do a gorilla for theirs? And they're all like, what do you mean, who wants to be a gorilla? And then it's like, oh, for a battle morph, right, the reason we're here. And so Rachel, of course, just starts antagonizing Marco, being like, don't you want to be a big hairy ape, Marco? 
And, like, he starts to retort, but Jake just, like, jumps in on this bullying. He's like, fuck yeah, Marco wants to be an ape. What do you mean? You want to try something easier first, Marco? Like, you want to be a cuddly koala? So, of course, Marco's like, well, I guess I better go be a fucking gorilla then. (laughs) Um, So Marco's like, okay, I'll do it. So Cassie pulls out an apple from her backpack and hands it to him, saying, like, he's gentle, mostly. (laughs) Mostly. And then she opens the cage at the door. Mostly. Very quietly under her breath most of the time. Um, She opens the door and she's like, okay, there's like an interior security door in there. So like, just go in, you'll be able to reach him. And they're all kind of like watching as Marco goes up to the side of the cage and Big Jim comes over to check him out. And Cassie said, he's interested in the apple, like give him the apple. So Marco holds it out and like Big Jim very gently plucks it out of his hand, like really surprisingly gently. And they had to, like, remind Marco, like, okay, like, reach out and touch his arm now. So Marco does, and he's trying to, like, focus, and Big Jim's eyes closed. And then Tobias goes, wow, look how his, how amazing his arms are. He's going to tear you in half if, like, you know, if he wants to. And Marco's like, Tobias, why don't you shut the fuck yeah. up? Like, I have to concentrate. <laughs> um So he acquires Big Jim, and then they're interrupted by a security guard going, hey, what are you kids doing? And so Marco lets go of Big Jim, backs out of the room, Cassie slams the door shut, and Jake goes split up, and they scatter. The guard looks at all of them, but hones in on Jake and Marco and starts running after them. They go, and they're running past a golf cart, and Marco just makes his beeline for it. He jumps in, and Jake's like, are you serious? And Marco's like, what, you want the old geezer to have it? And Jake's like, yeah, good point. So he jumps in, they start driving away, we get the first Marco sucks at driving (laughs) joke. (laughs) They get away from the old guy pretty quick, and they're driving down this, like, longest tunnel of all time. And then ahead of them, there's more security guards. So they turn, go on an offshoot down another tunnel that turns into a T-junction. Marco says, which way? Jake says, right. So Marco goes left. There's another corner. Marco goes right. Jake tumbles out. Marco stops, lets him back in. The tunnel narrows down to too much, like, too narrow to drive. So they abandon the golf cart, and they run into basically a dead end with doors on each side they open one door and there's a rhinoceros blinking at them and they scream and slam the door shut they open the second door there's no animals there's just jungle so they jump in there and slam the door shut behind them they're like we don't see anything in here and they're waiting and they're like okay but also the security guards aren't coming after us so this is probably really bad right and then they're like looking around them and they're seeing people that are looking down into the enclosure and they're like what the fuck are they looking at? Like, oh no, this could go really bad. So Jake's like kind of like backing up and then all of a sudden he hits something warm and he looks over at Marco, whose face was unusually pale. And Jake's like, Marco, what's behind me? And Marco's like, uh, a tiger. (laughs) (laughs) So there's this 10 foot long male Siberian tiger and Jake was basically sitting on it. Marco's freaking out and Jake's trying not to freak out. And then Jake's like, okay, I have an idea. I'm going to acquire it. Put it in a trance. And Jake's trying to, like, steady himself and reach back. And Marco's like, what do you mean you're going to acquire him? He's going to acquire you. You're the acquiree, not the acquirer. He's going to eat you. Look at his teeth. What are you doing? (laughs) And uh, Jake's like, please shut up. And uh, so he reaches back. He touches the tiger's flank. He acquires him. He's admiring his power and teeth and muscle the whole time the tiger's eyes are closed and jake goes he's beautiful and marco goes he's incredible with no hint of sarcasm but then he's like 
but we got to get the fuck out of here. So Jake goes, get ready to run. And Marco goes, oh, I've been ready to run. So Jake breaks the connection, says go. They bolt, but then another orange and black blur speeds past them. They grab onto the rungs of a ladder that's in the enclosure and start climbing out of it at hyperspeed. The tiger roars behind them and the sound reverberates around the whole exhibit. They made it out. Security, of course, sees them climbing out of the enclosure and is like, after them. They continue to run and finally duck into a crowd where they crouch down until security loses them. And then they make their way out to the front gates. And upon leaving, they meet up with Tobias, Cassie, and Rachel who are waiting for them. The other three had not been chased, had no problem at all, and were perfectly fine. Hooray! Oh man, shit's getting intense. So, Jake makes it home in time for dinner, barely. And when his mom asks him where he was, he's like, hanging out with Marco. And his family starts gently teasing him about always saying, hanging out. And Jake's like, well, Dad, what were you up to at work all day? And his dad's like, hanging out. (laughs) (laughs) Got him. Got him. Everything seems normal. So Jake's like, hey, Tom, why don't you uh, hang out with me after dinner? Knowing full well he has to go back to the York pool to feed. And Tom's like, yeah, I don't think so. And he's like, Let's, we could shoot some hoops or something. You know, maybe you could teach me some tips and tricks so I could get onto the basketball team. And Tom's like, yeah, I don't think so. And Jake's like, come on, it would be fun. And Tom's like, no. And then Jake tries to ask snarkily and Tom's like, no. And then Jake's like, what, are you too afraid of getting your butt kicked by me? And Tom's like... Yeah, that's what I'm afraid of. Are you happy now? Because Tom's being a fucking <laughs> He's not in the mood. He's not in the mood. Uh, this is where I added a note completely, like, related to nothing, that Jake's mom forced him to eat broccoli. Hooray! Just because I, fig- I figured you'd appreciate also, that. Also, meds are medicine back in, um, the, in the gardens. Oh, God. Yeah, I didn't want to get into that hole. <laughs> We've talked about it. We've talked it. You guys know our feelings about clarifying that medicine <laughs> medicine. It's almost as strong as my cult stance <laughs> if I had to choose. <laughs> Tom eventually left after being a dick to everybody and eating dinner. Jake runs upstairs to call Marco, Rachel, and then Cassie. But Cassie doesn't answer the phone. Her mom does. And her mom says, oh, she hasn't come home for dinner. I'm really worried. And Jake's like, well, maybe she's out horseback riding. And her mom's like, nope, all the horses are in the stalls. And he's like, oh, she's probably chasing down an injured animal. And uh, Cassie's mom is like, probably, probably. She'll be fine, I'm sure. Um, but she's super reluctant about this. Like, She does not think Cassie's <laughs> fine. Um, and so Jake takes off. He's like, oh, we got to get the fuck out of here. So they meet up at the predetermined spot. Jake had to ride his bike. Very cute. <laughs> um And he finds Marco and Rachel, and he goes, where the fuck is Tobias? And Rachel points up, and when he sees the hawk, Jake goes, oh my god, how many times do we have to tell him there's a two-hour time limit? What are you doing? Um, But Cassie's still missing, so he tells them Cassie is, like, gone, they need to find her, he has more things to worry about than Tobias and his hawk bullshit. So they go, they break into the school through a window that wasn't locked, and they start peeking into the hallway. And they're watching as, like, small groups of people are going past into the janitor's closet. And then Jake sees some cops dragging a girl down the hall. And he calls Tobias over and he says, like, with your hawk vision. He knew it was Cassie, but he's like, with your hawk vision, please confirm. And, of course, they were dragging Cassie down the hallway. So they're all freaking out, trying to figure out what to do. And Rachel goes, well, we just walk in. They probably don't know every controller, so let's just pretend we're controllers. And Marco's like, that's a terrible idea. And... Rachel's like, that's the only idea. Let's do it. (laughs) 
So they have to go get Cassie, so they just walk in. And Jake is like, listen, Tobias, it's too late to demorph. Stay close. Hope you don't get spotted and, like, figure your shit out <laughs> Get soon. your shit together, Tobias. Get your shit together, Tobias. This is not good. So they head into the closet. Jake repeats the sequence that he had seen Chapman use. The door opens, and they descend the stairs, expecting it to be, like, kind of a short walk down to all the screams and the slashing. <laughs> but as it turns out, these are this is, like, a crazy amount of stairs. Like, a fucking lot of stairs. Too like, many. a lot. And they're barely, like, too many stairs. Like, Marco makes a joke, like, wow, advanced aliens, you think they could have an elevator down here? I feel that. Thanks, Marco. Thanks, Marco. Stairs <laughs> suck. Um, so, yeah, like, the stairs are barely etched into the floor, and then it was, like, dirt stairs and then rock stairs, and they come out into this gigantic underground area where the pool was. And this area is huge. It's, like, football stadiums and malls combined. It's gigantic. And uh, they can see all of these, like, rudimentary stairs on every side coming down. So they're like, oh, my God, there's, like, entrances to this place all over town. Like, it's not just this one. And they start looking around. They see the earth movers and the digging equipment. And in the middle of the cavern was a perfectly round pool filled with a liquid that looked like molten lead. And in it, they could see yurks roiling around. And it was awful. And then Jake spots Cassie being dragged by two cops. And it's not good. And Jake's like, I'm going to morph. And Marco's like, dude, it's not time yet. Hold it together. They watch for a moment, and they notice there's two metal piers going over this yerk pool. And in one is the drop-off line, and they watched a yerk slither out of a woman's ear, and it hit the pool. And as soon as it was out, the woman starts screaming, I'm a free woman, you can't do this to me, let me go, all that jazz. They hadn't noticed before, but even more horrifyingly, was an area off to the side where humans and, and horkbizur, well, not horkbizur, humans and taxons. I don't think there's any horkbizur that are like, this is cool, but they're all hanging out. They can hear TV, they can hear laughter, and Tobias is the one that says, oh, those are the voluntary hosts. And everybody's stunned, they're like, voluntary hosts? What the fuck are you talking about? And Tobias is like, remember the Andalite told us about them? They're the people that volunteer to be hosts, blah, blah, blah. And they realize, like, oh, this is what the sharing's all about. It's promising a way out of, of, like, for people of all their problems. And that's why they agree to this, because they don't have to worry about their shit anymore. Somebody else is in control, which we all agree to. On our phone call the other day, in our Animorphs hangout, we all said if you'd forgive student loans, people (laughs) would just, like, agree to this. So we fell for the trap, guys. We're all in this together. Sorry to everybody that was on those phone calls, but we are the horrifying voluntary controllers in this situation. (laughs) Oh, man. Um, Yeah. So, and like that, and Marco put it to Rachel, some people are just scum. Like, you know, figure it out. He kind of makes a reference to her like, sorry to burst your perfect little bubble, Rachel, but some people suck. Uh, and then Marco goes in on Tobias for no reason. He's like, you know, Tobias, it's kind of like how some people use a hawk body to escape wow. all their problems. Yeah. And Tobias does not take the bait. He just kind of flies off like, fuck <laughs> you, dude. And as soon as he's like kind of gone, Rachel goes, Marco, be nice to Tobias. We need everybody to participate. So like, stop your fucking assholery that you're doing right now. Stop it. Um, a few moments later, Tobias calls out that they're going to infest Cassie. She is next in line on the pier. And Jake says something like, what about Tom? And Tobias spots him. And for a second, Jake's like, I don't want to know. I don't want to know. And then Tobias goes, he's in a cage screaming his head off at the captors. And Jake's kind of like, yes, he's not a voluntary. 
Um, the whole team is gearing up to go and like lay down the law when Marco grabs Jake and pulls him closer. And he says, hey, man, don't let them take me. I want to die. I don't want to be taken. And Jake just goes like, hey, it's like it's going to be fine. It's not going to come down to that. And Marco's like, no, no, I would rather die. And you need to promise to kill me. And Jake doesn't. He's just kind of like, it's going to be fine. And then they're interrupted because they're spotted by a guy and a Horkbizer who are scouting. And something must have seemed suspicious to them. And he, like, beelines it over. But he didn't notice that he kind of passed up Rachel. So that, like, he's going towards Jake and Marco and, like, what are you kids doing? What's going on? And Rachel just kind of creeps up behind them, morphing. And she's getting gigantic. So... Now, Jake is super pumped that his cousin is, like, 20 feet tall and 14 tons. He's like, yay! (laughs) Uh, Rachel has morphed to the African elephant. And Rachel is like, yes, I did it. This is great. Um, And then she charges. And she's so much faster than they originally thought or expected. She charges down the Horkbizer, who tries to turn and slash at her, but it was too little, too late. She barreled through him. The Taxon tries to run away. Rachel charges after him catches his back end with her feet and then just continues to elephant walk up his body crushing him out into a pile of goo which is amazing then she runs over to the guy who's like just standing there stunned like he's like an elephant like i don't know what the fuck to do in this situation and she just picks him up in her trunk and throws him and jake doesn't see where he landed but rachel goes more tax and incoming so jake's like whatever we just gotta morph so he starts going tiger and as he's morphing, he's considering this big cat's DNA. And he goes, I don't think this big cat would mind me using his body for this. It's not the jungle, but it'll do. So they're morphed now. Jake to Tiger. Marco's Big Jim. Rachel's obviously Elephant. And they start charging through the masses of this yerk pool. Like, Rachel is just grabbing Taxon and, like, tossing them. And Marco's punching everything that comes up to him. Like, Corkbizer are coming at him. He's punching them in the chest and they're going down. Um, and they fight their way over to the pool and Marco grabs one of the cages, tears the lock off, opens the door and like gives a little bow and like a come here kind of hand motion. And Rachel's like picking up tacks and throwing them still. She's doing her own thing. And then Tobias calls out, Cassie's like right up there for infestation now. Like it's now or never, you have to save her. And Marco says to Jake, go get Cassie. We'll get Tom. So Jake runs, like flies as fast as his body would go, but it wasn't fast enough. The Horkbizer had her bent down over the pool. The thing's about to crawl into her ear when suddenly Tobias hits the tax or the Horkbizer body and tears his eyes out going over 50 miles an hour. And there is just goo where this thing's eyes used to be. Cassie slips out of his grip, bolts down the pier, and Jake just says, run, run, get the fuck out of here. She makes it into, like, a crowd of people, and then moments later, a horse emerges running across the pool. Jake's like, okay, everybody out. Like, we've done enough. Let's go. And then Vizard 3 steps out in his dainty little Andalite body. (laughs) He is looking almost harmless, but Jake knows better. Vizard 3 started saying, my taxon were just telling me there are wild animals here and asked if they could eat them. But I am no fool. I know much better than that. I know what you really are. Andalites. And Jake's like, oh my god, of course. He has no idea that anybody but the Andalites had the morphing technology. Like, this is great. <laughs> and then Visor 3 starts to morph. He morphs into something with eight heads and tree trunk legs and god, probably tentacles. God <laughs> only knows. That guy's a fan of tentacles. 
Um, but whatever it is, is huge and awful. So they're taking off towards the stairs, and the visitor goes, yes, run. It makes it more interesting. And he starts spitting these balls of flame at them, and it's hitting everybody. Like, he's aiming at the Animorphs, but like, oh my god, it's taking everybody out. And there's hork and there's Taxon that are fighting them. There's some freed hork bodies. There's lots of freed human bodies. They're all running. And Cassie kind of like stops and nudges a couple people up on her back and they take off. And Rachel's still charging through the masses of like Taxon trying to like crush them all. Um, but when Rachel makes it to the stairs, she gets stuck. So Jake says demorph. And as she starts shrinking and twisting, she's starting to like crawl up these stairs and try to make it up there. And Tom's with them. So there's a few like human controllers. There's two hork They're all running up the stairs. And Visor 3 is chasing after them, just spitting fireballs. One hits the one of the women on Cassie's back and sends her flying. And she starts rolling to put out the flames. And she's recaptured. Uh, others were taken down, like hork Taxon. Taxan. The, the two hork that were with them get completely killed by fireballs. Um, but Jake knows like ahead of them, this tunnel gets smaller. And so if they can get to there, they can get away from Visor 3. But I guess Visor 3 might know this as well because he starts shooting fireballs in front of them. So they have to go through this wall of fire to get out of there. And this is when uh, Tom just fucking loses his (laughs) mind. Like Tom just turns around, calls him a creep, rushes Visor 3 with his bare hands as this giant creature and starts trying to hit him and is just immediately knocked aside. But that sets Jake off. So Jake throws himself recklessly at Visor 3 and his tiger instincts kind of know what to do. They start biting and like tearing and clawing and finally bites down on him. And Jake gets nicked by a fireball. It kind of hurts, but he ignores it. The second one hits him directly in the flank. And so he lets go and twists away and the Visor starts roaring in pain. And they take this opportunity to rush up the stairs and get out of there. The kids make it up the stairs with exactly one person freed the woman who had stayed on Cassie's back. Cassie makes it out of there. And they also mentioned the cop that knew her and her name and that knew that she was spying on the sharing. And Cassie said, he's not going to be a problem. But she didn't elaborate I on that I forgot about that. I know, right? So, ugh. um, Jake points out that Visor 3 had made a mistake. The mistake of morphing something too big to get up the stairs. And so that was his, his big fall and they hadn't won this battle but they'd all gotten out alive and maybe for now it was fine that they had gotten out alive that was the best they could do Um, and jake was laying in bed listening as tom came home later that night and he wished that he could tell tom that he was the tiger and that he had almost freed him or that tom knew somehow but of course he never could and the yerk was back in tom's head and it was horrifying and Jake tried to sleep, but everything that had just happened kept giving him these like nightmares that weren't even nightmares. It was just like recurring what had just happened until the early morning hours when there's a fluttery tapping that woke him up. And it was Tobias and Jake goes, oh my God, I'm so happy to see you. I, I was worried about you. I, I didn't see you make it out in all the chaos. And then he goes, oh, come on in, demorph. You can have the bed. I could sleep on a bed of nails. I'm so tired. And Tobias doesn't demorph. And Jake just goes, come on, man, like, demorph. Like, come on, it's, it's, you can do it. And Tobias is like, so I made it out, but I had to hide for a while, for longer than two hours. And, like, this is me now. And Jake is staring at this hawk form, seeing his friend's permanent body, and the tears start rolling down his cheeks. And Tobias is like, hey, like you said, we all got out alive, and that's what's important. 
And Jake looks out the window at the stars and tries to reassure himself that somewhere out there the Andalites were coming. Somewhere up there was hope. And Tobias says to Jake, the Andalites are coming. And Jake said, yeah. And until then, we fight. <laughs> oh my god, so much <sighs> of this. So I much of this. I teared up at the end reading this. Oh my god, yeah. Me too, just like knowing <sighs> what was coming, it was like so impactful it's rough oh my god (gasps) this uh, it's it almost has more meaning reading it knowing what happens than it does yeah for sure tobias is a bird forever yep yeah so that recap was probably much different from the first time we went through it the stuff we latched on to early on (laughs) too that's hilarious (laughs) how did it feel uh reading through the first book again like for you like, compared to the last time we read the first book together. It was super yeah. weird. There was just so much that I was like, this is important. Like, this is important to know. Like, I have to write this down. I have to do this in detail because it's so important later on. And, like, first of all, when we first started doing it, like, we had no idea what we were doing. We still <laughs> don't. But we had extra no idea what we were doing. And so, like... Now it was, like, there's so many details that I want to, like, talk about and dissect with you that, like, the very first time we read through it, it's like, okay, we're just fielding questions about, like, morphing tech and what are the rules of this world and who is that and why is that Mm -hmm. and so on. And, like, it was just so weird because it's, like, we've done this and yet in a way we've never done this. And, like, for me now, it's so much, like, we've grown in the way that we analyze these so it wasn't like me reading this on my own where I'd be like just like picturing it and blah 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 it's like I actually have to consider and take notes and also (laughs) I know I'm going to be talking about stuff with you and I know there's other like stuff that we've referenced a hundred times that like we're gonna laugh about and like I don't know it was just weird well and I was thinking about like the last time we read this and recorded for the first time and just, like, how much has changed mm-hmm. since then. Like, I, I live in a completely different state now. And, you know, at the time where we recorded, I had had my first brush with repetitive strain injury, but it hadn't gotten that bad yet. And just my life mm-hmm. is just so different from when we first started this. Yeah. I mean, the first book, I wrote most of those notes, like, on the plane mm-hmm. flying out to see you. And, like, that's the other thing is, like, it's it really hit home for me how much we never like we had always planned the last book we were gonna be together for it and we're gonna like record it together and it was like everything's so fucked it's like we couldn't do that and how much like the plan changed and shifted just personally it had nothing to do with the books it was just like we're back to this and like the first time we were reading this i was flying out to see you and like now we're still we've we haven't like Mm -hmm. connected again over it sad i don't think we could have predicted how crazy the world got at that point what like did anything else hit you just going over this book that like um just hit you the only other note that i made that i didn't mention was at some point jake said cassie always has the right words to stop any argument without making anyone feel bad and all i could picture was very very late in the series when cassie told rachel to her face that she was a monster oh and i was just like oh yeah. shit 
like that's what that's what kept happening while I was reading these books. Like somebody would say something, and my mind would immediately like flash forward to a point where that was either relevant or like directly contradicted what Jake had just said, mm-hmm. and it it was it was so crazy. Uh, I can't believe we're done with the books. I'm just really glad that we're not leaving the yeah. world yet. I couldn't handle, like, this is our last recording of this. And, like, oh, like, we'll go on and do something else now. It's like, I am not, yeah. <laughs> not yeah. ready. And it's just so funny how Animorphs is experiencing a resurgence right now. Like, we're we're finishing up. Mm this read through of the books like we at the time we started we did not anticipate animorphs would make a comeback but like as we're kind of fading out it's fading back in and i fucking love that i love that too and like at the time when we first started recording this i was like are 10 people going to listen <laughs> <to this show?" laughs> yeah oh, oh, it's crazy God. there's people listening to us right now <laughs> People, I think it's weird when we talk to them now because they only know us through yeah. these voices. We're just people. Just trying to live our lives <laughs> and do our best. Talk about these kids. Yep. Talk about these good, good kids. Oh, I miss Axe oh, so man. much. I really missed Axe yeah. in these books. Just felt like something was missing. Like a lot. Yeah, and it was almost kind of worse because, like, this was kind of like for me revisiting what, like, one last time before I put this down for a while and kind of step back from reading the series again. Because, like, I want to take a break. But, like, it almost felt incomplete and that axe was not yeah. there. But I am so glad that we read this book again because there's, like, so much stuff that, like, comes into play later. And, like, reading the end of Tom and then, like, this, like, Jake's mm-hmm. call to action of I'm fighting this war for Tom really brings home that whole scenario yeah. for me. And Rachel was alive when I left. Mm-hmm. I remember back when her <laughs> battle morph was an elephant instead of a grizzly. I know. Oh. It's just, oh. it's, and it's so funny how that happened. Like, it's so funny how she had an initial battle morph and she's the only one who kind of changed it mm-hmm. because she wanted something more ferocious. She wanted something more ripping and, yeah. And probably something a little less bulky yeah. as well. Like, there's a strategic thing there. But, like, she started right. with one animal and then she found the one that she, like, really identifies with. Whereas everybody else right. just kind of kept theirs right off the bat. Except Cassie, I guess. She didn't turn into a wolf until later. But, I don't know. Yeah. Well, we. What book do we find her battle morph out in? Was it three? Because that's book. when they all morphed wolves. Although they didn't yeah, really have, like, a battle morph battle in there. Yeah, but they were yeah. all wolves. So that's when she gets yeah. the morph, at least. Yeah, I don't know what else I have. I don't think I have anything else. I mean, I don't know what else I would talk about. It. I mean, I could keep talking <laughs> about Animorphs, but, but should I? I need to stop to think <laughs> if I should. All right, then what's up next? We're doing the tv show next episode will be our first episode of the yeah. tv show and it'll be interesting switching to a visual medium instead of a yeah i'll see how that it goes will. we'll see how that goes are you ready for it i am i'm so excited okay good i'm excited too it's just really hard signing off on the last book you're right this is like way kind of harder than i thought it was gonna be yeah i know 
And I mean, but we'll we'll probably read these again on our own in the future. It's it's weird to think that there's not anything next for the books. Like the- it's kind of weird to think about reading these again on my own. Like really? what? Kind of. I mean, like what am I gonna do now? Just like read it and then like not <laughs> oh, talk no. about it? No, no. And like if we if we start reading it, are we going to think of new things and then like text each other, being like, "Oh, hey, I was reading book fourteen, and then this thing happened." We should have and talked we'll about this dropping on the like <laughs> emergency transmissions in the field <laughs> once in a while. Like, hey guys, we just thought about this thing. Oh my god, yeah, I wonder about that. Hey, it's our podcast. We can do whatever we want. It's true. <laughs> and then, of course, we'll do the graphic novels as they come out and a yearly Christmas special. <laughs> I guess we can hawk our shit now. <laughs> um. Well, if you want to talk to me about this entire series, we did it. Um, uh. So you can do that at anonymousanimorphs at gmail.com. You can find us on Facebook at Animorphs Anonymous or talk to me and a bunch of other super cool people in the secret group, which is the Andalite Bandalades, which is facebook.com slash group slash Animorphs Anonymous. You can hit me up on Instagram at Animorphs Anonymous, or you can hit me up on Twitter at Animorphs Anon. And if you want to also talk to more cool people um, and to us, we have a Discord channel. And um, if you want the link to that, you can email us or hit us up on the Facebook group or whatever, and we'll get you the link and we'll get you set up with that. Um, if you're sick of Animorphs and want to read a goddamn comic book about something joyful, <laughs> give me a recommendation. Well, you have many to choose from, but I would recommend the one that I write and draw, which is called Beside You. It's about music and romance in the early 2000s. And you can go read that at bsideyoucomic.com. And please check it out. I love it. And I make it for you and for me. And it's very good, and I highly recommend you check it out and become a patron. A patron. Yes, I also have a Patreon. You can find that at patreon.com slash kcdstudios. Yes. Yay. I am a patron. I appreciate it. You're my favorite patron. (gasps) You shouldn't say that. They might be listening. (laughs) (laughs) Um, If you like super like comic books and hate things that end... We just found out that there's like 90 plus more Superboy comics when Drew told me the other day there was 20. Holy shit. So, <laughs> wow. Drew's like, yeah, we got like 20 to go, man. And then he texted me later that night. He's like, there's 90. And I'm like, whoa, boy. So, um, yeah, sometimes I'm an accidental third host on a, a Superboy podcast called From Cadmus to Crisis. Is, is, Superboy podcast. <laughs> And uh, I know nothing, but I I do voice some characters, mostly female, but also I am the leader of the triumvirate, although I've heard my voice is heavily edited, so maybe you won't recognize it's me. Fun. But yeah, I get to play Knockout, my favorite uh, stripper turned superhero. She's amazing, and I love her. So, And I say that not knowing what her story arc is like, so I can't, I've only known her for like three or four Superboy comics, but so far everything she's done other than seduce Superboy has been awesome, so. (laughs) Everything she's done other than seduce Superboy. (laughs) Yeah, I didn't like that part. She's, I'm like, no, he's like a weird Hawaiian teenager. Stay away from him. Oh. He hasn't graduated high school yet. Just. Oh, that's not great. 
It wasn't. It's like Riverdale territory. It it felt very Riverdale to me, but again, I'm only on like book four of this run, so I can't. I who knows where it'll go. Find out. <laughs> Find out on from Cadmus to Crisis is a Superboy podcast. Cool. I never do that on the podcast. I only let David and Drew do that part. <laughs> but I do it here every time, basically. Okay. Anyways, that's that's all I got. That's... Who's uh who's ready for Sean Ashmore? <gasps> oh, I am. I am. Pick me. Me too. I'm ready for Sean Ashmore. I'm particularly excited for Brooke Nevin. She is amazing. And our buddy Boris Cabrera. Boris Cabrera. Very excited to see him. And I don't know any of their other names. <laughs> Sorry. Uh, Christopher Ralph is Tobias. Uh, Nadia something is Cassie. Let's look it up right now. Let's give them all credit. So that was a pretty fucking great job. It's all in your hands. It's all in your hands. <laughs> Nadia Nascimento is Cassie. And she does a great job. I do really like her. Uh, Christopher Ralph is Tobias, like I said. And then Paulo Costanzo is Eximili Escaroth Easter. I'm so excited. I'm very excited too. I like the axe casting is so fucking good. I'm ready. I'm ready to experience I'm ready. him. I'm ready to get back into that TV show. <sighs> it's gonna bring me right back to early Canada days. <laughs> okay. Anyways, uh, we should leave. I guess. This is sad. This is super sad. Well, we'll see you guys in a bit. And we'll talk TV at your faces and ears. Okay. Bye. Bye.